Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 171 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. This is the last episode before E3 2019. It's almost here, just a few days away. Um, got some big plans for E3 this year. Um, and we're going to run through all of them for you guys here on the show. Also, by the time this episode is done, you guys are going to be primed and ready for E3. We have three or four publisher previews. Two of them are the big ones. One's Microsoft, one's Nintendo. Um, so by the time the show is up, we will have made it through all the publishers and you guys will be primed and ready for all the big stuff to come at E3 2019. And in fact, we're going to kick off the show talking about what we're doing as Sifted at E3. So uh, streaming wise, you guys are watching us on Twitch, and uh, obviously Twitch is a big part of any modern gaming publications repertoire, and we're going to be spending a lot of time on Twitch through E3. So Sam, if you bring up the, uh, the graphic, we'll run you through it. So as you guys know, there's no Sony this year, Nintendo's doing another Direct, uh, so that has kind of chopped down the amount of live press conferences that we're doing this year. So. Most of our streaming is taking place on Sunday, June 9th, and Monday, June 10th. Uh, everything kicks off on Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 12.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we're going to be doing an Xbox media briefing pre-show. But also what we'll be doing on that day is giving our analysis of the EA events from the day before. So EA is not doing a press conference. It is doing a stream all day Saturday, and they're going to show off... Uh, Jedi Fallen Order and a bunch of other stuff. So Matt and I will be addressing that. We're not going to sit and watch their stream all day and do live commentary for a 10-hour stream, but we will be wrapping up what was shown on EA's stream right at the beginning of the stream on Sunday. So we have half an hour to go over EA and get you primed for Microsoft, and then Microsoft's press conference kicks off. We're going to sit here and watch it live with you guys. Matt and I will be providing a live commentary over top of the stream. It's going to be a good time. We've done it the last couple years. It's been a lot of fun sharing the press conferences with you guys. So we're going to be doing that for all of them. Uh, and then following the end of the press conference, we'll have 15 minutes to a half an hour to provide our analysis of the Microsoft press conference. Um, and then there's a bit of a layoff uh, because, let's see, 5.30. Yeah, we'll have about an hour and a half between streams at that point and we'll be coming even, back for even layover what do you say hopefully you're not going to lay sam off <laughs> yeah between shows we did that before that's yeah. bad yep and then at uh, 8 p.m eastern uh 5 p.m pacific that's when bethesda's pre-show will start at 8 30 p.m the press conference actually happens and we doing a live hangout for that and then analysis after that then we go to monday monday we've got ubisoft starting at 3 30 and again it's the same process we do a pre-show we do the hangout with you for the live press conference and then we do our analysis so we have ubisoft at 3 30 and then square enix at 5 30. Um, and there's really no break on monday at all we're probably going to have a stream that's going to be live for like five or six hours straight maybe not that long probably closer to like four hours something like that uh, but everything just kind of runs in congruency with each other on Monday. So we're going to be hanging with you guys for many hours on Monday afternoon into early evening. And then Tuesday is Nintendo. We're still working on that. I'm trying to get something figured out so Vincent and I can uh, do something. At the very least, I think 
Vincent and I will probably record at least some commentary on the Nintendo Direct that is aired that day, and we'll try to get that analysis up for you right away. We're still working on that. It's still fluid, uh, so stay tuned on that. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about E3 in general from Sifted. First of all, uh, I guess a warning to any of you guys who are thinking about buying a shirt in the next couple days. We're going to be doing an E3 2019 flash sale on our latest t-shirt designs. And that will kick off literally as soon as we start our stream on Sunday. And then that sale will run for the whole week of E3 and will shut down on Sunday afternoon after E3. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, the shirts are going to be 15 bucks, down from 25 bucks, And it's only going to be for that week. So when that week is up, they're going right back to $25 again. So if you've been waiting for a sale on our latest round of t-shirts, folks, this is it. Another thing I should add is uh, all sizes and colors are back in stock because when we first got the t-shirts done, we set aside a bunch of them just for Patreon folks who hit the t-shirt tier on our Patreon. And we set aside way, way more than we needed to. So we've taken most of that stock and put it back into the general stock for you guys to buy. So our orange shirts, you can get those in every color or in every size uh, during the flash sale. So don't buy any shirts over the next few days because they're going go to go drop down to $15 beginning at the beginning of E3. And that sale will run all through the week. And then again, they go right back to $25 after that. So if you've been waiting to buy a shirt, this is the time, and I would appreciate it very much. we got a lot of stock to get rid of still. So keep that in mind as the week comes up. Uh, and then as we get into our general E3 coverage, one thing we did last year that people seem to love is I did an E3 diary for every day of the show. So I would go to the show, I would come back, I would kind of unwind, unload, uh, or download my stuff uh, to you guys as far as what I experienced that day at the show. We're going to be doing those all three days. Uh, there's also going to be a poll posted in our forums in the next couple days where you guys are going to be able to pick what games you want me to check out on the show floor. We're going to call it our E3 hit list. And our 20 most anticipated games countdown is going to also coming up here in the next couple days. We're basically just going to take those 20 games and let you guys vote on them as far as which games you want us to kind of seek out and get more information on on the show floor. We're going to be recording an episode of Pactor Factor from the show floor. We're going to record an episode of Ask Shane Anything from the show floor. So we're going to be calling for questions for that on both Sifted and on our Patreon the week of the show. We want to wait until all this stuff happens so you guys have better questions to ask us. Uh, we're going to be doing Man on the Street stuff from E3 again this year. But whereas last year the angle was, was it worth it to come to E3? The angle this year is, is E3 viable going forward? So we're going to talk to people. Uh, get their experience. We're going to do those interviews on the last day I of E3. You probably know everybody in this shot. The one guy who just came walked by on the left side is like, I, I've only known him for like a year and a half. Was just, he's one of, my, one of my recent acquisitions. Yep. Um, so that's, that's the stuff we're going to be doing on the show floor of E3. And then as usual, our best of E3 awards, they will be going down on Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. All of this stuff, by the way, is in an article on Sifted right now. And it's pinned at the top of all of your sifts. What um, happened to that Ninjala thing? Yeah, I don't know. I bet it'll be there again. Probably. Um, so anyway, that article, if you if this is a lot to remember with me just saying it, the article is up on Sifted right now. You guys can go and get the schedule. Uh, obviously, we are Sifted. A big part of E3 for us is curation, curating all the stories. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, and we are putting up this episode on YouTube a lot more quickly than we usually do because we realize it's going to be pointless for you to watch this once E3 is over. If you are on YouTube and you're not using Sifted for E3, you're crazy. 
Um, I know a lot of you guys on YouTube have never even given Sifted a chance. And it, honestly, that's true of a lot of people. I have no idea why. I think when you use Sifted at E3, you will understand why we built the site. I mean, it's great every day, but at E3, it really, really shows its power. So uh, there's a, the hub is already up. There's already almost 100 pieces of content in our E3 hub, and we're like five days away from E3. So um, I implore you to use Sifted during E3. And if you do that and you feel unsatisfied with it, I will be shocked. So. Everybody give it a shot during E3. I have a feeling once you do that, you will become a regular user of the site. Just give the site a chance. Break out of your patterns. Trust me, the reason I built this site was because I was tired of doing what you're doing, which is wasting your time searching for crap. So anyway, big plans for E3 2019. We are really excited about it. We'll see how the show is. There's some trepidation about the show, I think, for most people right now. But one thing I've noticed over the last like week and a half really preparing for the show is there's going to be a ton of great games there. In fact, getting the list down to 20 for the most anticipated games of E3 was really, really hard. And it was a list that changed like constantly for like three or four days. So look out for that in the next couple days. But that's what we're doing for E3 here at Sifted. Really excited about it. We'll be here at Matt's. Sam will be at the controls of the TriCaster, and we are ready to bring you everything from E3, and a lot of it live and with us as friends. So there you go. We'll see you guys. Next stream will be on Saturday, or Sunday afternoon, mm -hmm. and uh, from then on, it's just two days straight of four-plus hours of streaming from us, so yeah, we hope. I, isn't the Square press conference at 6 our time? Uh, I feel like Square is in the, is in, in the evening. It is in the evening. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're East Coast, it's in the evening. No, I think it's, isn't it 6 p.m. our time? Mm, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, the schedules, I looked at these schedules from the publishers, and this is what they mm. had. There could have been a typo, maybe. Maybe. Um, if there is a mistake, we'll go and we'll fix it on the article on yeah, chat the chat's saying Square is 6 p.m. Pacific. Oh, it is? Okay. So and we need to fix that. pretty much the same, so we'll, we'll have the gap both days. Same gap so. both days. Okay. And we'll go and fix that in the article on the site as well. I don't mind that. I literally got that information from Square Enix, from its press release. Well, I, I'm going to guess that that's a preview of, of the kind of thing we're going to see. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> you may be right. They don't even know what time their press conference goes live. You ain't getting a Final Fantasy VII release date, folks. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my, my prediction. <laughs> it's my Pactor prediction right yeah. here. Uh, so anyway, let's kick off the show proper. We're going to start things off with... Maybe the biggest publisher at the show this year, Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo is hitting the sweet spot of Switch. Year three. Certainly the one with the most momentum. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, year three of any platform generally is usually that platform's best year. I don't know if that's going to be the case for Switch. You can make that decision after we run through all its E3 stuff. But usually the third year is when it hits its stride. All the developers are good at working yeah, on the hardware. Yeah, but mo most platforms don't have the first year of Switch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you have Mario and Zelda. Put a Mario and a Zelda year. game out in your first year, you're basically playing catch-up for the rest it's of the It's hard generation. to beat. Absolutely. So let's start running down through some of the stuff that Nintendo has on tap. Obviously, there's probably going to be a couple surprises here and there. At least we hope so. Um, the thing that was announced today, is, or at least a rumor, is that there are going to be... 21 new games, new games mm -hmm. for Switch at E3. Yeah, that comes from that the pre-order was it the pre-order slots that were put up on GameStop? Yeah. yeah. So that could be that could be anything from yeah. Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 to port a four-year-old game you've played 14 times. I mean, so. let's be honest. On a given day, 
there are probably four indie games announced for Switch. Yeah, but at least in this case, we're talking about presumably physical retail releases. Which yeah, because is... if they would sell them at GameStop, yeah. then they'd have to be, they're probably not all indie games. So, yeah. But they could be ports of old games, yeah. and, and that's probably what most of them are. Still encouraging them. If you them. believe the rumors, one of them is The Witcher 3. Yeah, so. which is a big deal. Sort of. Well, I mean, for Nintendo people who have never had anything but a Nintendo console, it's a gigantic deal. I guess, but wow. I can't believe there are still people <laughs> like that, but there are. Um, and there's a lot of them. Well, probably well, the worst, five or six million of them. Well, the worst part of it, aside from how you know scaled back that's going to have to be to work on the Switch, is like you know they're going to charge 60 bucks for it. Oh, yeah, of course. Like oh, gou- gouging are you kidding this- me? I, I, I kind of have a ethical quandary about the way they gouge the Switch owners on the prices of the, of the ancient ports. Yeah. I feel like you should at least kind of go 40. You, you'd think. You know? But, I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot of Nintendo fans are suckers, and they'll take whatever I they mean, get. yeah, they'll pay it, so I guess it doesn't matter, but, like... I think we figured out how many people only buy Nintendo consoles, and it's, like, 5 million. I mean, yeah. basically, most of the sales of the Wii U are people who only buy Nintendo platforms. And boy, that must have been a real tough, like, three years. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's there's a market for it, for sure, for Witcher 3. I mean, if you can get it to work on that, yeah. sure. I mean, that's a... I mean, the, the vanilla PS4 can barely run that thing. I, I guess if you'd scale the resolution way down. Or it's, it's, it's the launch... Uh, it's the launch thing for moving, that, getting that streaming tech over in yeah. the West. Although, why would GameStop be selling that? Right. So, yeah. I don't know. Yep. So, that for Nintendo fans, that's a big get, to finally be mm-hmm. able to play The Witcher 3. So, I, I understand that. It's yesterday's news for everybody else, but there's a lot of people out there who just own Nintendo consoles. So, let's get into mm-hmm. some of uh, Nintendo's first-party stuff. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I, I hate to say it, but... This is the game that came to mind first for me as being most excited for at E3. Um, I would. I'm more excited about Pokemon, um, but I'm a Pokemon. That's fan. my close second. <laughs> um, this this I'm in, certainly interested in, but uh, Link's Awakening is not one of my favorite Zelda games, which uh, is apparently heresy. I didn't know that. I really like it. It's, um, it's probably my second favorite 2D Zelda. I. I, 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 one of I, one of my clearest memories of getting on uh, Usenet back in the day was being shocked at how beloved this game was. Yeah, like I, 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 I always found it kind of a pleasant little diversion. It was ni- a nice to have thing, but like I never thought it touched uh, Link to the Past. Or, Link to the um, Past is my favorite. Or uh, or favorite even two D the original, although the original has gone down in my estimation yeah. uh, a lot because it's just so it is so old. Now. Yeah. Um, I still think it looks like the dentist from uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but... <laughs> yeah, he does kind of look, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a thousand percent behind this art style, but um, to me, the, 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 the puzzles and the game design and structure, uh, the story yeah, of this game... It'll be good to play it again. Yeah, I'm really excited for In this. In the way that it was good to play, like, uh, Metroid 2 again. Yeah. In the remake of that. Yep. The crazy part about it is that there have been rumors swirling that, like, this game was just going to be shadow-dropped, and, like, people were thinking after the last Direct that it was just going to be announced at the Direct that, oh, it's available now. That turned out not to happen. Of course, it's, they're not going to just put this out digitally. It's got to ship to retail. Yeah. So, no, that's... Nintendo doesn't really shadow-drop stuff that gets retail releases. Yeah. No one does that now. Diddy I... Kong Racing is the only one I can think of. Yeah. Well, and the Saturn. Yeah. Which... You said Nintendo, though. Yeah. Well, but, like... I'm I'm just thinking about like the only times that hardware have, that has, big has that have done been shadow that. dropped, yeah, and like 
that didn't work out so well. No, nope. for, <laughs> for, for Sega. So definitely did not. But that's what happens when you launch a system with a bug. Yeah. And Clockwork Night. Clockwork yeah. Night. Yep. Instead of Breath of the Wild. I do have a feeling that this game is not going to be too far away, though. No, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like their late summer entry. Yeah, like, I would be surprised po- if they say like it's coming out in six weeks or two months. Yeah, because Pokemon is anchoring the holiday season, yep. and I figure Animal Crossing's in there somewhere, too. Because uh, Animal Crossing, as much as people don't really always realize it, animal because like, I saw Pactor's predictions where he's talking about how like if he thinks there's going to be a Mario Kart. Yeah. Because um, it's the only one that the, of the big ones that hasn't been. And it's like, I recognize that Mario Kart is big because of how it sells, but but Mar- Animal Crossing is one of their top five now. So We'll like, get to Animal Crossing. So I, I think I think uh, uh, that's your anchor. That's your other anchor with Pokemon in the, in the fall. So yeah, I think Link's Awakening could come out uh, earlier than we think, and they would be fine. Because they do need something in that summer quarter. Maybe know? September for Link's Awakening, October for yeah. Animal Crossing, November I, for Pokemon. I wouldn't super be sh- be super shocked to see Link as kind of a like a late August, like kind of kick off the holiday season thing. Not a bad call. Uh, Especially next... now that Shenmue 3 is not there. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> that game's going to get buried if they keep it in November. I mean... That game might get buried anyway. It's, they, well, yeah, but like <laughs> they got to, they got to. It might push, get buried by critics. They got to push that to spring. Like there's, I'd agree with that. Then again, Jason Schreier says spring is crazier than the rest of this year. So yeah. maybe it's just doomed. It just might be. I mean, look, no matter what, there's gonna be a big audience that buys it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, most of us have already paid for it. Right. So. Yeah, that's a good point. They've already made their money. Uh, next up, Luigi's Mansion Three. Uh, I think I'm way more excited for this than pretty much everybody else. I don't, not 100% sure why, because I reviewed the original for GameSpot and did not give it a really big score and caught a lot of hell for it from people who had never played it, because that's how the internet works. Uh, But I still really liked it and I liked the concept. I just felt like I couldn't recommend for people to pay for it at full price because it lasted like five hours. It wasn't very Mm -hmm. long. And that's a concern with this one too. Uh, but I hope that Nintendo learns, learned its lesson with the first one, and this one's going to be a little bit beefier than the first game. But did for they, did uh, they ever put out the remake of this, the first one? No, uh-uh. They put out uh, Dark Moon on 3DS, and there was mm-hmm. an arcade version of Luigi's right. Mansion that was released in Japan. But didn't they announce like a, a remake? I don't think I so. They did, I thought they announced Maybe like a remaster for 3DS or something. or something. No, I thought it was a Switch remaster of the first game. I don't know. Maybe I made that up. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a secret bonus on Luigi's Mansion Three. Hmm. But, uh, That'll solve the length problem. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of the first Luigi's Mansion. I played most of Dark Moon, but not the whole thing. So I can't really pass too much judgment on it. But it it was also good. And it mm-hmm. was not made by the same team that made the original. So hopefully Luigi's Mansion 3 can turn out pretty good. I mean, this game's supposed to come out this year. That release schedule's starting to get real crowded right about now. But that's a good problem to have if you're Nintendo or if you're a Switch owner. Uh, next up, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Mm-hmm. They've pretty much blown that. I'm surprised how much they've blown this game out. They, when it was uh, unveiled, they put out this huge trailer you're seeing right now. Uh, they just did a big press conference with Game Freak and the Pokemon yeah. Company. Well, that seems, to be, that seems to be the new tradition, judging by last year. I think yeah. it sounds like Pokemon Company is just going to do an early kind of direct before because they, they want to be kind of seen as separate to some degree. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not as excited for this as you are. I think a part of it is because I just played Let's Go for a really, really long time, just mm-hmm. like four or five months ago. 
And we're I'm not excited because it's not going to have the things in Let's Go that annoyed me. Yeah. Because it's just a straight Pokemon game. It is. And I would say I was surprised that Let's Go was more of a straight Pokemon game than I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, it was. But, like, the motion control stuff annoyed the hell out of me and uh, the lack of options of how to play it, like, ver- handheld versus yeah. docked. And, like, you know, it was charming, but, like, this is going to be more... I think. Well, this is the real McCoy. Yeah, this is going to be the thing that I'm after. This is canon. New canon coming here. Uh, the game's going to be gigantic. We don't need to tell yeah. you, any of you guys that. We don't even really need to talk about it. You guys and are already... conveniently, it's two SKUs, so that further fills out GameStop's 21. Right. That's true. I, d- I didn't even think about that. Um, which one are you going to buy, Sword or Shield? Um, I'm not sure yet. I mean, my, my, my inclination is Sword, but we'll see who the exclusive Pokemon are in each uh, one. Yeah. I mean, that, that's usually what determines it. I mean, they've unveiled the Pokemon, sort of the, some of the new, the new starter Pokemon for mm-hmm. the game. But you're right, we don't know what the exclusives are yet for each version. We don't even need to talk about yeah. this anymore. I'm guessing everyone listening to this or watching this right now has already pre-ordered this game, and they're all in. Unless they're still deciding which one to get. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Um, Actually, I tend to collect both versions. So I might yeah. just, if, like when uh, Sun and Moon came out, um, Amazon did that like double steel book. Like if they do something like that, I'll probably get that. It'll be interesting to see if this is like, I mean, you would guess this would be the big crux of Nintendo's booth. Because mm-hmm. the way Nintendo's really done it the last several years is it has one big game that kind of takes over the whole booth. Sort of, but last year it was more just sort of plain white. Like, it was sort of very... It was kind of corporate. Yeah. Um, But do you want a Pokemon game to be, like, that focal point? You want people to know, obviously, it's coming, but it's kind of a weird game to play at a convention. Yeah. Not a lot of action. It's not really demo well. Yeah, it's kind of a weird... I mean, you could just use it as sort of the decorative theme. Yeah. Uh, Alternately, you could just double down on Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But that feels like not a thing you'd want to do because it doesn't doesn't get you anything in the game space. Right. Although they are apparently going to do a sequel... The game. I mean, look, they could take their pick. They have so many big first-party games at this show. There could be other games that take over. Yeah, the my guess is there's going to be like sections. There'll be a Pokemon section. There'll be a Mario Maker two section because they had a similar thing for the first one. Yeah, I mean that might be the big part of the booth, the big theme. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do with a Mario Maker theme that just sort of naturally naturally sense. graphs onto a, 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 a booth. expo booth. Yep. Yeah. Uh, next up, Animal Crossing. We discussed that a little mm. bit earlier. You're absolutely right. Um, that would also be a thing you could do. Like the whole booth could just be like a village. Yeah. And you could sort of go through in each village. Each house is like a, like surrounded by kiosks or whatever. And I think you're right. Pack consistently discounts how popular the series is. It wasn't just in that episode. Like mm-hmm. if for whatever reason, he has this mental block about Animal Crossing. Animal he, Crossing is a juggernaut. It's huge. Like, yeah. It, but he is right. I mean, Mario Kart is the best-selling game. Yeah. Already, Mario Kart 8 is the best-selling Switch game, mm-hmm. which is just a port of the Wii U game. So, also, But also the argument on there kind of also could run the other way and, like, why put out another one when the, the current one's still selling pretty well? Right. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think it's too early. I think he's wrong. I mean, right I, now, I don't think especially when you're going to introduce... You're, you know, presumably going to introduce the new Switch model, maybe another one next year. Uh, Mario Kart 8 seems to be, like almost the default buy it with the system game so yeah. like why mess with that or why not just start packing it in with switch instead right. of like cutting the price just start packing in mario kart yeah with i it. feel like that's the next step 
And I think the other thing too about it is that Mario Kart 8 is a game as a service. Let's be honest. Like it got a ton of DLC yeah. after it released. It's kind of a platform and not really a game. Yeah, I don't think it I don't think it gains them much to put out 9 this soon. I don't think so either. I think maybe next holiday season we get Mario Kart. Cuz I think Kart to a, to the large majority of people who didn't own a Wii U, Mario Kart 8 is a new game. Oh yeah, it's the brand new Mario Kart. Yeah. I mean, and that's most people. Yeah. I mean, the Switch has destroyed the Wii U. So yeah, Certainly most of those sales are from people who did not play it before. Absolutely. And there are a lot of people who did not play it before. So I am skeptical about Mario Kart. I am absolutely skeptical. And, uh, I'd say there's a 5% chance at best that a new Mario Kart is yeah, announced. In part because I think, you know, I just don't think you need it, both in terms of that and because you've got Animal Crossing for the big numbers. Yep, Absolutely. Assume, I mean, you assuming, have Pokemon Sword and Shield. Yeah, Pokemon, <laughs> and and also, like, I mean, I, I assume we're going to see Smash Brothers come back into the top ten at some point during the holiday oh, season. Oh yeah, so maybe they like, drop the price by ten bucks or whatever. Yeah, like they don't even have to really. As people buy Switches, they're going to buy Smash. It's yeah. just kind of one to one. But like, like I said, like I got, while while a lot of the, the lineup is not super exciting to me. Uh, they have momentum like nobody else. Oh, Nintendo is going to have a gigantic last two quarters of this year. Mm-hmm. Gigantic. Uh, anim- as far as Animal Crossing is concerned, though, what do you, what are you looking for in a new Animal Crossing? Because I feel like the absolutely nothing. I'm not going to play that game. I did okay. that already. Okay, I, like, I, I play them. I play. Every I don't one play. Of them. I I think the last one I played was New Leaf, and like there's just a point I hit because those games eventually just like make me irritated that I spend so much time playing. them. I feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah and I and at a certain point I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I don't think I need to do this to myself again. Yeah. Like, and so I just I'm just gonna skip it. Like unless something happens with the next one where like. Literally everyone I know is playing, and it's got some crazy networking features that like like make it make it interesting and worthwhile. Like I'm probably just I I don't need to owe that damn raccoon any more money. <laughs> like I play every one, and this is one series where for me, and usually Pokemon's this way too, is that they come out, they're spread out so far their releases that I play the crap out of it, and then I don't do have to worry about it for another like five <laughs> or six years. Yeah. Um, Although I do, and you're right, I feel bad. Like after I finally stop playing one of these games, I feel guilty. I'm mm-hmm. like, what? I just wasted. And for what? For yeah. what? No, you're right. Like I always feel that way. And then yet, when another one comes out, there I am booting it up, and like next thing I know, I'm hooked on it all over again. So to answer, to maybe rephrase the question, what would an Animal Crossing need? To get you to try it again. Uh, my niece would have to talk me into it. Oh, really? Basically. <laughs> like, there is nothing that you could do in the game that would make me want to play it again. It would have to be a social phenomenon. Gotcha. It would have to be something like... It would have, Which I'd would probably mean there's I'd have to be peer pressured. It. Yeah. Well, in this, in the case of my niece, it would just mean because it's a new Animal Crossing game. Like, That's she's, all it takes. She's young. She's, yeah. she, she, she has nothing but time, and, <laughs> and she's not sick of, of any of this yet. So, yeah. um, so that, might, that might be if she wants, like... You know, if she wants me to play so I can, like, get stuff and help trade stuff with her and all that kind of thing, I could do that. But, like, yeah, you're going to have to be related to me by blood to get, the, to get, to get this <laughs> game in my, in my system here. Yeah, I, I think for most people that will not be the case. I think no, I, I think I, I, am a, I am a vanishingly small minority in, in that regard. I think this game is going to be it's gonna be gigantic. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be, like, Smash Brothers gigantic, but it's going to sell 10-plus million. Oh, by the way, this is not footage of the Switch version of Animal Crossing. Yeah, this is the Wii game. I'm sure most people have figured this out, but what I've learned is that on YouTube, not everybody does figure stuff right. out. So this is not the Switch this, version. This is the Switch version of The Witcher 3. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
let's see. Next, uh, Super Mario Maker 2. We've talked about that already today. We've talked yeah, about we it the, the last direct, couple episodes. We, thing, yeah. we don't really need to talk about it again. But going to be there. Probably going to be blocks laying around in the booth. Yeah, they'll be. Yeah, because this game does demo really well. It does. Yeah. Um, and that. Yeah, I wouldn't even be surprised if the whole booth is built to made to made make it look like it was built in Super Mario right. Maker 2. And I would also uh, expect that uh, this will be the game in their booth that will be easiest to play. Yeah. Like, I think this will have the most demo kiosks. Probably. I don't know. I think they love pushing this thing. They do. You're right. I mean, their whole booth the one year was steamed around Super yeah. Mario Maker, so they and what, for good reason it turned out because that did just fine. I mean, even, it even for sold a Wii game. two million or three for a Wii million. game it did pretty for well. For Wii U, that's pretty good. Yeah, Wii U game. Yeah. Um, okay, now we're starting to get into some of the the more obscure, maybe sketchy stuff that may or may not be there. Next up, Bayonetta three. So that game appears to be in some sort of development hell. It was just pushed back. Platinum saying it mm -hmm. wasn't happy with what was what was happening with it so far. Double, it's Bayonetta. I know. Just make a bunch of new levels and call it a day. Like, yeah. I mean, they already made Bayonetta 2 for yeah. Nintendo specifically. It, it, I'm shocked that they're having problems developing this game, but... It was announced last year at E3, is that right? Was that when it was first announced? Um, I think it is. Maybe? Yeah, I think so. Was it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't either. <laughs> but it was announced not that long ago, so it's not like it's been a game that was like announced before, like before the Switch came out, and we've been waiting all this time for it. Like, it's a relatively recent announcement. So... Mm. Um, a delay isn't that big of a deal, provided it doesn't stretch past next year. Um... Do you think we'll see anything new from that? A trailer, maybe? Probably not. I mean, the trailer we just showed is all they've put out for it so far. Right. So I think we'll see something. I think they're running dormant. I think they got nothing right now. I, I would be surprised if we don't get a trailer. I wouldn't. Not after what they just said. I don't think we're going to see it played on the Treehouse streams or anything. But No, but no, I, I, I think we'll not, we won't hear anything about Band. Wow. I, I think something's wrong. I can't imagine what it would be. Yeah, I can't Cause either. Because it's like the same game Platinum's made like 14 times. Maybe that's like, what the problem is. They don't eh, want to make the same be. game again. And be. I get it because... And Nintendo often de demands you not make the same game again too. So it could just be... They're, they're looking for a way to make it fresh. And I'll say this. By the end of Bayonetta 2, I was pretty much done with Bayonetta. True. True. Like, I, I mean... It, that camp stuff works for a while, but... Yeah, it's it's a little embarrassing to play in front of people. It is, yeah. Um, and maybe that's what they're working on. Maybe we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I think that's. A, I think this one's going to end up being like a late next year thing. Bayonetta two didn't exactly set the sales charts on fire either. So no, but it feels like they really want the, this to catch on somehow. Like it's it's amazing to me how you know you know we'll be up to three games on this. When, when did the first one come out? Like almost ten years ago now. Yeah, that's about right. Like. They're they're gonna make fetch happen if it kills them on this game, and I don't blame them because it's like it's got some verve and it's interesting. There's not much else like it unless you're talking about like Double May Cry Five. Yeah. Um, certainly, there's nothing else like it on the Switch. Nope. So it fills it fills a gap, which yep. is a good idea. Um, I don't know. Like, we'll see. Uh, next or up, we won't see. Next up, Town. That's, yeah. That's the that's, RPG from Game Freak, the yeah, creators of Pokemon. The Pokemon guys. Who, to, who I still I still believe this game was a, kind of a prototype for what they wanted to do with the world in Sword and Shield. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. I mean, it, honestly, it looks like 
Pokemon without having without to pay without having to pay the license for the license. Yeah. yeah. Well, they own it, so I don't. Think yeah. They don't have to pay for that. That's not a license. Well, I guess you're them. right. They do own. It. Well, Pokemon Company owns it. Yeah, but that's a Game Freak. Like that's them. Are they? Is that the same that's company? The same company. Yeah. Really? I wasn't aware of that. They changed the name a while ago, if I remember right. Interesting. I thought they were separate entities for some I mean, they might be separate, like, business entities, but they are the same thing, as I understand it. So they, don't, they wouldn't have to pay the other one no. to, to license Game Freak, it? No. Game Freak created Pokemon. They, they don't have to pay to use it. Yeah. Well, then maybe they're just trying to leverage their name to start another IP. I mean, diversifying wouldn't be a terrible idea. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I still feel like this game looks like a tech demo to me that just sort of happened to have something to it that was like, hey, this is fun enough to put out yeah. as a game. Because a lot of Nintendo games have started that way. Yeah, it's true. Um, let's get to games before we get to hardware, actually. Mm -hmm. Metroid Prime 4. Reverted back to retro. Yeah. Like, five months ago. Any I, chance? What, what's your percentage chance of us seeing anything from Metroid Prime 4? I think that's in the 5% range, yeah. too. I mean... It wouldn't be a bad idea to show something just to kind of reassure people, so I wouldn't rule it out completely, but it, considering the timing, it feels like they're probably not far enough along with anything to really do anything more than maybe show a new logo. I don't, yeah, I don't think there's any way they're showing anything. Retro's only been working. Look, they completely restarted the project five months ago. Like maybe the proof of concept stuff that Retro made. Yeah, they I mean, share. I mean, the, yeah, the, the the other option is that like Retro already sort of had been working on it quietly being right. like ready to go like in, in you know. well, they build a proof of concept yeah. for nintendo to prove to nintendo that it should give, like, it, hey, give back. it to me give yeah. it to us so like um it's not impossible and yeah. it would be uh maybe higher than five let's give it eight percent chance yeah. in terms of in terms of like reassuring the fan base it would be wise to show something yeah but um I don't know. I don't. I. Don't, I, I you know, we're already looking at a pretty packed lineup. They can. They can get away with not showing that because it's not this year and it's not something they really need to worry about yet. Yeah. And chances are they can reassure us next E3 direct. Yep. Frankly, because it's clearly not coming out before then. Yep. Uh, and then lastly, as far as software is concerned, Daemon Cross Machina. Yeah. Why isn't that game out? Where'd that game Dude, go? they put a demo yeah. out like eight months ago. Well, to be fair, the demo was a framey. Gar it was a piece of crap. I mean, yeah. was, I, mean, I mean, I liked I liked what it was because I like mech kind of armored core style stuff. I enjoyed it, but it, the the performance was not acceptable. Yeah, I didn't like the demo at all. So actually, my guess would be that they're. I do to make, like robots, but I just thought the game was just poor. I think they're trying to make this thing run better. That's possible. Because wasn't it supposed to be out in the spring or something? Like, yeah, I mean, it's been floating around for a couple years now. Yeah, I liked I liked it uh, conceptually. I thought it I thought it did, it'd be nice if it was running on be bigger better hardware. Yeah. Um, hell, maybe they're pushing it back until someday the it will be. Yeah, maybe they're pushing <laughs> it back until the the power the, you know the Switch Pro or whatever shows up next year. Yeah. Or maybe they're taking the time to make it good. <laughs> I, I didn't like that demo at all. I, it was like torture playing it for me, but to each their own. I, I think it was fine. I I just want it to run smoothly. Yeah, that was honestly the least of my concerns. But you're right, it did run crappy. And now let's talk hardware. So Nintendo has already said it's not showing any new hardware at E3. Do you believe it? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like Nintendo said this before, and it was a lie. I don't. I don't remember what the, what the last like revision of things were. Yeah. I guess the 2DS. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would be that weird like play tablet version. Well, I meant the like the the second 2DS, which is more like a the clamshell thing. Right. Yeah. Which uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
Maybe, maybe not. Pactor but. still thinks that, and I even, when we were recording that episode, I even told him, I said, Nintendo already said that they're not, and he's like, I don't care. He's mm-hmm. like, they're going to show the cheaper handheld only version of it. So he's, he's convinced. I'm not. Does Nintendo lie about stuff like that early? I like, feel I, like for it has in the past. I don't know where that's coming from. I can't give you a specific, but I feel like I have been lied to by Nintendo I don't before. Know. I, I think they're so comfortable showing like major things through their like their in, independent directs that it wouldn't surprise me if they just showed it like like later in the summer or something. Because they do, they have announced hardware on directs several times. Yeah, like re- handheld revisions. Yeah, and it might even be better to, to announce like a, what is effectively a minor hardware revision uh, at a time that is where everything's focused on your direct and not like at everyone in the industry. So you know they might not find it's a big enough thing to warrant putting in this. I also, which I I kind of see their point on that if that's what they're thinking. Well, this segues nicely into what we're going to discuss next, which is the 3DS. Is it over? Oh yeah. Persona Q2 came out today. Mm-hmm. And that's really the last high-profile 3DS game. Yeah, right? I mean, I think they've more or less said that. Like, it's 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 done. That's it. They're a one they're a one system company now. So if that's the case, then I don't know. The timing is perfect to show the handheld only version of Switch. Well, I mean, it's not like there's a hard out for the 3DS like next week. Like they can they can show the new Switch whenever they want. So. It's not, the the ball's in their court in every imaginable respect. They can do whatever the hell they want. Pretty much. That's why the lower third says cruise control. Yeah. I mean, they have just got it on autopilot right now. <laughs> they can just print money. Yeah. That's pretty much where they're at, which is great. It's good to see, as uh, someone who's followed this company for decades and decades, it's good to see Nintendo in the spot it's in right now. Uh, so you don't expect any announcements for the 3DS at E3. I wouldn't. I would be surprised. I'm kind of surprised they didn't announce Super Mario Maker 2 for the 3DS, to be honest. I mean, the first one was on 3DS. Yeah, who knows what they're, run, what they're doing with this thing, whether it could run smoothly. It's or, possible. Whether you can hold all those tile sets. And, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It may, I mean, it's real old hardware at this point. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. At this point, it's been real old hardware for like three years now. Again, it's admirable what Nintendo did in a time period where nobody could be successful with handhelds. What mm-hmm. it did with the 3DS is yet another commendable yeah. achievement well and also part of the reason no one can be successful with hand- hand- handhelds is because nintendo has owned that market with an iron fist for 25 years yeah or more so uh yeah they taught everyone to stop messing with them in that space and now they sort of own it sideways thanks to the switch so what about maybe cutting the price of the 3ds to like a hundred dollars i don't know if you can do that considering the, the capacitive touchscreen like those things cost what they cost to make. Like there's a that was a problem with the Wii U as well. Like that the touchscreen on that controller cost what it cost, mm-hmm. and there was a point at which it just didn't get any cheaper, and that's one reason you never get saw super cheap Wii U's, and why the Wii U was not blown out at clearance. Nintendo bought them all back from the retailers. Right. Um, although people have started to see, I saw somebody like picked up like a like a Wii U. Uh, cheap on Twitter I saw they, they picked it up for like 40 euro or something mm-hmm. um, it was a brand new one wow like, and, and like some like kind of big box like not big box but like kind of a Costco-ish place yeah um, which is a great I mean I think if you if you like the Wii U and you don't believe that some of the the key games on it are ever coming to switch like Xenoblade Chronicles X or uh, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions or things like that uh, maybe Skyward Sword because of the motion control um, 
you might consider getting a spare Wii U because that gamepad, if it breaks at some point in the future, is going to be hard to replace. Yeah, they're probably not fixing it. So you don't think that they can sell a 3DS for 100 bucks at this point? I don't know. I, I don't know about the manufacturing costs or if they even want to waste time doing I mean, that would be something like blowing out the remaining stock, and that's not really what Nintendo does most of the time. So that would be up to the retailers, probably. What if they made a new version that didn't have a touchscreen? Well, then way too much stuff wouldn't work on it. Yeah, I mean, they've kind of. it seems like they've gotten away from that a good bit over the last couple of years, though. Yeah, you have to redesign the OS. You'd yeah. have to re- that wouldn't make any sense. Well, I mean, you can always use the D-pad and buttons to navigate. Yeah, but you still have to redesign it to, to deal with that. There's some stuff in the on the 3DS OS that you can only do with a touchscreen. Yeah. Um, it just seems I, I weird don't, I don't think for it, them to just act, just let it die. Well, <laughs> There's so many other things they can do to squeeze more money out of it. Well, the, the Switch covers both of those things, and it seems like they'd rather put all their eggs in that basket and have a, a packed release schedule for the one system, which, frankly, I can't blame them for. Uh, it's just weird to think that it's the end of the road because there's still so much opportunity to generate revenue from it. Like it's not Nintendo's style really to just bail. I don't know if there is like it's, it kind of did its thing. It ran its course. People don't talk about it anymore. Part of that's because it's, you know, it doesn't have a lot coming out. Yeah. But like it's, it, you know, their big success right now is the switch and it's doing better than the 3ds did. So, you know, focus on that. Like it is makes it doing sense. better than the 3ds? I, I think so. The 3ds was, Fine, but it certainly wasn't a success on the level of the, its predecessor. Oh no, no, no! It, the 3DS did terrible compared to the DS and the GBA. Mm-hmm. But you got to realize those platforms are like record-setting platforms. Right. But I think 3DS I, still did very unless well. Unless I am very much mistaken, the Switch is selling at a much better clip than the uh, 3DS was at the same time in its life. Yeah, I mean, I would believe that absolutely. So I, you know, the, the 3DS did its job. Like it's time to let the old soldier retire. This is another case where I wish we had uh, taps on the TriCaster to play for the 3DS. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I still have my launch... It's not launch 3DS because I've transferred it, but I still have my Ambassador games. Me too. From where they yeah. gave, gave you a bunch of games for buying it at launch yeah. as an apology. Yeah, yeah. I had that little ribbon on my home screen, yeah. too, that they gave you. I yeah. mean, having Metroid Fusion isn't a bad apology. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. 3DS was great. They did a, I thought they, mm-hmm. the Nintendo did a great job with it, so... Bon Voyage 3DS. Are we not going to talk about Fire Emblem? Yeah, I mean, we that's can. That's got to be in there, right? Cause yeah. That's, that's a summer release. Yeah, that's coming up in like a month or two, I think. July or August. I yeah, think. it's coming up soon. So yeah, there's a new Fire Emblem coming. Nintendo has a really good E3 this year. They got a they got a packed schedule for once. Yeah, so. I mean it's like a big game. Like it seems like there's going to be not, a big game release every yeah, month for the next year. I mean nothing is like crazy as Mario and Zelda all at once, but like uh, it's more of the at the very effect. at the very least you'll be able to find one or two things you like no matter who you are. I would yeah. Think. Yeah. Like, I don't care about Animal Crossing, but I want Fire Emblem and I want Pokemon. I haven't seen a Nintendo release schedule like this since. What? Yeah. Jeez, like. Well, the SNES. Well, and part <laughs> and part of that is because they've pulled stuff off the 3DS. I mean, that Pokemon yeah. game should be a 3DS game if they were still going for the 3DS, but yeah. they've consolidated, and I think that's wise. It is wise. Yeah. So there Especially you go. Especially going forward, you got to keep that momentum when the other two two guys launch their new systems. Yeah. You know, you're going to be leaning entirely on your software library, which luckily for Nintendo is their strength. Yep. Uh, and I think you're just going to see that continue moving on for the next 18 months, frankly. Yep. So there it is. That is the Nintendo preview for E3 2019. It is undoubtedly going to have a big show. Do you think they'll surprise us with anything? A game that first-party game that we don't know about? I don't know. Uh, mm, 
I mean, there's been persistent talk of, of like an Odyssey two like surprise announcement. Do um, which I think you know. Or a new Zelda. Like I'm Zelda. I mean, it's about time maybe for like a Zelda sort of Majora's Mask style, like reuse the assets from Breath of the Wild to make a new game sort of thing. Uh, but it's also like the turnaround on an Odyssey two for like this year, or early next year, um, would kind of fit how fast they made Galaxy 2. Yeah, it's true. Um, and Galaxy 2 was basically made up of levels they cut from Galaxy 1, and you have to assume that there's probably a similar thing happening oh, yeah. with Odyssey 2. For they sure. could do. It could happen. It's possible. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's likely. I think it's but... more likely that we see something for Zelda, though. Maybe. I, 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 think, you're, I think you got Link's Awakening, and they can, they can run silent on that. I mean, Mario Maker 2 isn't quite the same thing. If, if we were going to see one of the... If we were going to get surprised by a Mario or a Zelda, I would guess it would be Mario. Hmm. I would guess it would be Odyssey 2. I think Odyssey 2 is a, is a simpler beast. I agree. I think it's easier to make, but you also had an extra year's time, mostly, eh, for the Zelda team. You had an extra six months, and then they had to make DLC. Odyssey right. 2, Odyssey has had no DLC. Note that. It was like eight months. Mar- March, to March to December. Was it December? I think so. No, it was like Odyssey October. Was, oh, I thought Odyssey was December. No. Okay. No, it that was like six, and then and then they had and then the Zelda team made DLC. Well, the other and Odyssey, me, Odyssey has had no DLC, which I think is weird. It is weird. The other thing that makes me believe that is Anuma has like basically said, yeah, we're like chugging on Zelda. No, I'm and sure. We haven't heard anything about Mario, the 3D Mario. So. Mm-hmm. But that team does because the 3D Mario team doesn't really have a figurehead the way Zelda does. Right. It does run more silently than oh, yeah. Zelda does, so that might be part of it too. Yeah. If I had to bet on one, I would say like, oh, Odyssey Two is coming, or Odyssey Extra, or whatever. You know, something maybe not even a full-fledged sequel, but just like here's a bunch more levels. Yeah, and that's the thing about Mario. Like, you can just snap the levels on, right. and it doesn't really matter. As opposed to Zelda, where you have to build a world, right, and a plot, and, and all that, and stuff. dungeons. And yeah, a, I mean, it's like almost like well, hopefully yeah. dungeons. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be the like, <laughs> thing. It's like. You, you figured out how to make an overworld, like open overworld that feels like Zelda. Now you just got to put some dungeons Put some in dungeons it. in there. Yeah. And I, w- I would have liked uh, Breath of the Wild a lot more if it had traditional Zelda dungeons mm-hmm. in it. So we'll see. But there you go. That's Nintendo's preview for E3 2019. I think no matter what, it is going to have an amazing show. Um, somewhere in there, it has a couple game of the show candidates, I, I have a feeling. Yeah. If only for lack of competition. Right. Uh, all right, next. Because what do you what do you count at the show at this point? Yeah, Microsoft's not at the show. Yeah, Activision's not at the show. EA's it, not at the no, show. It's Sony's funky. not at the yeah, show. Yeah, it's really funky. Like Microsoft doesn't even have a mixer booth. Yeah, it is weird. You they're just acro- about- they're just coincidentally across the street the same week. Yeah, no, you're right. It's weird to like give something best of E3 when the company technically wasn't at E3. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah, but I think I mean. Just thinking aloud here, like, we'll probably have to let those games in. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you're really thinking about E3 as, like, this particular week. Week. Yeah, you know, it's like, like this, if your stuff happens this, this week. This week of activity. Yeah. We, don't, we, have, we just have a name for it now. Well, it's like when we're curating, like, we've, like I said, we've already been tagging stuff to E3. Mm-hmm. So much so that we already have, like, 80 pieces of content on our E3 page and hasn't even started yet. Um, so it... You're right. It's about the time period. Mm-hmm. It's not it's really not about a, the event anymore. Yeah, it really isn't. It's kind of weird. At a certain point, you could end up with all the different companies just having their own events in downtown LA yeah. with no E3. Yeah. But we'd still call, call it. We E3. would probably still call it E3. <laughs> Much to the ESA's dismay. Yeah. The e- E3 would just be an esports booth in Sega. <laughs> the ESA would not be happy about that. <laughs> uh, trust me. 
Um, so yeah, there's the Nintendo. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about Death Stranding. Uh, Sony wasn't going to eat, isn't going to E3, but it kind of is because like we were talking about it. It like, certainly seems like it could have. I mean, the Death Stranding trailer is called the E3 2019 hmm. release date trailer. That's the way it's titled on the official trailers on YouTube. So they are kind of having their cake and eating it too with E3. Um, it's discouraging <laughs> if you're if you're a, if you're someone who enjoys E3 and likes the whole event and the kind of the, the pomp and circumstance that goes with it, and you don't want to see that go away, seeing Death Stranding explode on social media just from putting out a trailer is not encouraging. Yeah, well, some One of the big three had to be the first to take the step to see, like, hey, do we even need this? Yeah. And Sony has, the, you know, with their crazy lineup of, you know, basically their, their three... Their triple threat. Juggernauts. Yeah. Um, Particularly this one, I think, because you're going to get internet internet interest. I mean, this is not going to sell like Last of Us Two is going to sell. It's going to sell like probably five, like Detroit Become Human levels. I would but, say closer to Detroit Become Human levels, but it's going to sell like double what Detroit Become Human did. It's going to sell tell, ten million, like eight. I I think that's way more than it's. It depend. I mean, if it's like some kind of breakout, like like phenomenon, maybe. But I mean, like, I don't know if you read like the press reports after this trailer came out, but people are like falling all over themselves over the game. Yeah, but that's the core gaming internet people. Like, I'm talking about the people that make these things 10 million, 20 million sellers. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, talking about journalists. I'm not talking about just uh, well, journal- the fans. Like, who cares? <laughs> like the, it makes a difference. Eh, it can. But I've never, I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of uh, bad reviews tank anything in the game space recently, um, sales-wise. Um, certainly didn't stop Days Gone. Yeah. Um, well, we don't really know yet with Days Gone. Yeah, Days, Gone, well Days Gone did not do God of War money, but it did fine. I mean, I would guess this would do something similar, probably. I would not have guessed Days Gone would have done as well as it did. Either. you got to remember, this has Norman Reedus in it. You don't think he's going to be all over the marketing. You're crazy. I, I Sure, but... That instantly creates that connection for people. People who what? don't play games are like, oh my God, Norman Reedus is the star of I, this whole game? You might be overestimating the, the pull of Norman Reedus. I don't know. But, like, He's a pretty big deal. <laughs> Sam's like, I got to laugh at a Sam. That's all I ever want. <laughs> Victory. Um, I mean, Mads Mikkelsen is, a, is more of a draw. To no me. way. Yes. To you, he is. To the average person, no freaking way. Off of like Hannibal in terms of like... Yeah, but Hannibal quality? is an amazing show. Amazing. I love that show, but it pales in comparison to The Walking Dead. As far as popularity and pop oh, culture. popularity, sure, but like... I don't know how much crossover there is between. Trust me, Norman Reedus has here. way more fans, way more. That's mysterious. To Women me. love him, man. Love him. All right. Well, I don't know if this trailer is going to sell this game to a lot of women. <laughs> what do you mean, the bridge baby? You don't think that'll be attractive to females? <laughs> I think. I think. Well, it's, it's, Kojima still doesn't know what to do with female characters because apparently they're just here to be threatened to be and to be exposition dumps. Yeah. Um, which. Conveniently, in Metal Gear Solid 4, he combined both of those things into Naomi, so it was very efficient. <laughs> Someone was complaining about the uh, lack of diversity in the cast in this game well, on, it, on Sifted. It, it, is, uh, it is pretty pale. Um, to which I, I basically just replied, you know, Kojima's Asian. Yeah, well, so? He's a person of color, so to accuse him of like intentionally whitewashing the... Most, most of the accusations of things like that are not in, uh, about an intentional. It's more about you didn't even think of it. Which um, is possible. Which is probably but what's uh, happening. But I don't know, here. though. Kojima thinks about everything probably too much. 
I don't know if I'd go that far. I think that's part of his maybe, problem. He should maybe think about quality dialogue once in a while. Yeah. Um, well, to him, it is quality dialogue. Well, I did notice in this trailer that the dialogue does feel a little more like something a human being would actually say. Well, that's probably because he's gotten real actors involved. And generally, a real actor is going to like read a terrible Kojima line and be like, what if I say it like this Yeah. and make it better? Um, if you'd like an example of when that doesn't happen, go watch Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Matt um, was not uh, not impressed with that film. Not not thrilled by that one. <laughs> Oof. He unloaded. Oof. The big um, deal about this trailer, though, is, and it's not even really the trailer. The trailer gives you some hints, but when the trailer went up, a blog post also went up on mm-hmm. all the official channels that finally explains what is going on with this game and how it plays. Sort of. No, it, it really does. Like, I, I don't... Re- I, I still I... don't really understand what I'm doing moment to moment, but at least I understand sort of the broad loop. You know, like the the, the whole not dying thing, like kind of the... the, the I, I understand the concept of sort of what he's after and what the connection thing means, more or less. Uh, the weird double, double entendre on strand and death stranding. Um... Also, the fact that the guy, the American guy who, tra- who delivers things from, from town to town to establish new connections between them is named Sam Porter Bridge, <laughs> which might be the least subtle naming convention since, I don't know, whatever the last Dan Brown novel was. Wow. Also, there's a guy in this game named Die Hardman. I actually... I don't... I don't get it. I like. I kind of like how he names his characters stupid things. I mean, that's not just in this game. He's done <laughs> oh, that no, all it's, it's, along. It's constant, but like you, at a certain point, it's die hard, man. Yeah, I, I love that. I think it's because clearly you're naming it after the movie. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. It's 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 it, it would. Be, I think it transcends stupidity to be not cute. Not when <laughs> not when the this shit plays itself so damn straight and serious. No, it does. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's, I, mean, I mean, there's there's some elements of everything, every Kojima game that is just sort of there for whimsy's sake, but, like, the marketing doesn't pull that off. I mean, to watch this, like, this like we desperately want to be, like, a, a major f- blockbuster film thing and then have, like, the Die Hard Man title, <laughs> I'm like, oh, please, come on. So, a little... I mean, it, I mean it, don't get me wrong, it's better than David Cage, but... <laughs> <laughs> So I actually want to share some of the information that was shared on the blogs because I feel like a lot of people only watched this trailer and didn't get the information. So the way, the, basically the plot of the game, and that is one thing I think we kind of figured out from the trailers. Her name uh, is fragile. Yeah. Her name is fragile. Uh. Well, think about, I mean, he's always named girl characters crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, anyway, after the collapse of civilization, Sam Bridges, your favorite, who Norman Reedus, has to save everyone <laughs> from the brink of extinction. The Death Stranding refers to supernatural events that occur after a series of mysterious explosions. Uh, These areas of impact are plagued with otherworldly creatures that threaten to kill all life. As Sam Bridges, you'll brave that wasteland to try and save everyone. So you're trying to save humanity, basically, from... Although it certainly seems like he has to be talked into that early on. Yeah. Oh, a reluctant hero. How original. And then here, um, here we start to talk a little bit more about I also feel like how if, the game plays. If this had been made as a movie like 20 years ago, Norman Reedus's part would have been played by Kevin Costner. Yeah, yeah, that's it, pretty. It, it feels like a Kevin Costner <laughs> movie. It's the follow up to Waterworld. Yeah, it's like a Waterworld. <laughs> I mean, the mail, the postman. Like you say, the mailman, the postman. Right, is what it keeps reminding me of. Yeah. Um, so when, what you're actually doing while you're playing, what the objective is? There's it, a little apocalypse now action. 
Yeah. This is a cool shot. This it is, is a this cool is, shot. This is a, this is a neat bit here. Yeah. I uh, will give it credit for this in the sense that like this trailer and sort of the description make it clear that they are going. Um, there's a lot more interesting elements in terms of like the time travel stuff and sort of the we like think they're going full maximum weird. Although part of me, because of some of the, especially the imagery here, it, I wonder if a lot of this was sort of his plans for Metal Gear Solid Five that had to get scrapped. Because there's such similar imagery in some of the oh, scenes yeah. in Metal Gear Solid Five, where you're like, "What the hell is that? Like, what's yeah. going on?" And then they never explain it, and I feel like maybe like that got kind of aborted, um, like in halfway through because Konami shut all that stuff down. It's possible. And then like he took a bunch of those ideas and that and turned it into this, which like, I mean, that's a very creative, you know, way, I mean, it's a very creative person thing to do. Yeah. Um. So if that's what he did, like, uh, I applaud that because uh, I I do always like it when someone is like. I'm going to tell this story whether you like it or not. <laughs> like, I, I do appreciate that. Uh, as far as the gameplay is concerned and what you're doing, the gameplay loop and the minute-to-minute -minute stuff, uh, the objective is to protect your supplies from wild bandits and stay safe from the terrifying beach things. The beach things are those crazy creatures that live in, like, the black, inky mm -hmm. murk or whatever. Um, Unpassable obstacles block your path and force you to find different routes. So when you saw earlier in this trailer that the ladder stuff, so you have a ladder and a rope basically, and mm -hmm. then stakes for the rope, and you need to use those tools to get around the environments. But the the twist to it all is that there's these creatures that you can't really see, but they're still there. Mm -hmm. And so you need to stealth your way using the tools that you're given around the creatures, essentially. And then this is where, yeah, there's the ladder stuff. And this is where the connectivity stuff comes into play as well. So there is asynchronous, asynchronous online gameplay where you can send supplies to other players. You share a safe house with other players who are connected online. And you literally can walk in the footsteps of fellow couriers to reunite civilization. And what I think that is, there's a clip in this trailer that shows footprints on the ground, like mm -hmm. yellow-orange footprints. I think what that is, is that it's kind of like, um, I think Dark Souls did something similar to this, where you can, you'll be able to follow someone else's footsteps through the treacherous areas mm -hmm. where the bad guys are that you can't see. So instead of having to use all the tools, I think somehow with the connectivity of the game, it's going you're going to be able to use other people's paths to help you figure out what the safe path is through certain areas. That's mm. my guess, anyway. I would also think that uh, because they keep talking about reconnecting all the civil, all the cities or all the settlements, yeah. Like I would guess that the more the community travels the routes, maybe like there's an. I think like if you you're in, not just to use the footprints to find the path through the monsters. But if you continually travel the same path as other players, you strengthen that trade route for everybody. Interesting. Like that would be a thing that I. What he keeps talking about about strands and connecting and sort of yeah. reestablishing that. Like I feel like, as a as a player base, you're you're going to be encouraged to sort of like wear down. You know, almost like wearing out a path in the wild in, in a field. You know, like the more you walk yeah, it, the yeah. more it becomes it becomes visible and easier and to like walk. And like eventually, it, it, you kind of establish that trade route as a as a you know millions of people community. Like I could see that as being sort of part of the the mingle player aspect of this. Yep. Uh, and the safe house houses your vehicles, so you have like your whole um, livery of vehicles back mm -hmm. at the base. You can change clothes. Like, there's one scene they showed in one of the trailers where he's like he's walking around naked in the safe house. So, 
that could get interesting. Um, death in this game is crazy. You kind of go to like a purgatory. So if you remember one of the very first trailers, remember when they they were like, "This is the first time we're showing gameplay," mm-hmm. and it was just him falling through the water. That's yeah. what happens after you die. You go to that medium place, and apparently there there's. There is actual gameplay in that purgatory, but you have to be careful of whether you kill enemies or not because they say that it can... It says killing your foe is almost never the solution, and every death carries a consequence. So when you're in that nether region, um, it sounds like you have to be careful about what you're doing, and it sounds like it's actually a big part of the game instead of just some goofy minigame you play to get back to the real thing. Um, And that's pretty much it. That's what I've gleaned out of watching Mm. this trailer... And so there's the footsteps I was talking about. Yeah. Well, that also. But this is where you you died actually here. This yeah, is where well, that you're also might be the, um, like the uh, the creatures seem to walk on their hands as well. So that might just be a uh, indication of the foot, the, like the, the the trail the monsters you're trying to avoid have taken. Yeah. I mean, I the, know, there's a lot of uh, stuff that we're probably not going to understand until, or oh, maybe won't ever understand. But uh, at least gameplay mechanics-wise, won't understand until there's a little more raw stuff out there. The the, the ending up in World War One is interesting. Yeah, or it's Vietnam. Some of the soldiers are Vietnam. Some soldiers. of them, are, but those tanks are World War One. Yeah, it's really freaking weird. Uh, the exact and then, like, you can see like there's people disappearing and reappearing yeah. all the time. So. Yeah, the exact verbiage that this is directly from Kojima and Sony was asynchronous online gameplay where you can send supplies, share safe houses, and walk in the footsteps of fellow couriers to reunite civilization. Mm. Yeah, that's the line that makes me think that walking in their footsteps is sort of a key element of keeping those connections strong. Yeah. And that probably the more we do that, the more benefits we will get like communally from the different, the different settlements. And I kind of got that idea from some of the talks he's given before as well, because mm-hmm. he did that like whole diagram thing, and he's talked about how he wants people to, people are isolated now, and he wants people to be together instead of apart, and yeah. so yeah. People have been complaining about that since magazines came out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> you true. You find articles around the turn of the 20th century where people are, compl- editorials where people are complaining about how everyone just walks around reading magazines now and no one talks to each other. <laughs> Wait for it, bro. <laughs> How do you feel about the limited uh, combat that they show? I mean, it looks like combat is going to be kind of a last resort thing in this game, but how do you think that looks? I mean, I thought it looked bad. I mean, Kojima always seems to want combat to be a last resort. Yeah. Um, I mean, it looks like it's a stealth game yeah, pretty much. The shooting looks fine. Um, the stuff where he's dodging around with the crate looked real rough. It looks so dumb. Um it's just absurd. It's like you got these three guys chasing you with cattle prods. You're carrying like 500 pounds of crap, like trying to run away. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> it seems weird. It also just, like when I first saw it, I was like, really? You're going to have to run away from people with those big bags on your on your back? Well, I got also get the impression that like you probably if you play your cards right, they won't see you and you won't have to fight them. Right. I mean, that feels like a fail state to me. Well, those aren't. Those aren't really the bad guys that are in that scene. Those are other humans. Well, they're not the monsters, yeah. but they're definitely the bad guys in the sense that they are rival, they're pirates or whatever. Yeah, bandits. Know. Yeah, they're trying to take your, they basically are trying to take your cargo. Trying to take your box. Yeah, because the... You got to get that box of civilization oh. to establish the strands of connection, man. Yeah. We didn't even talk about the bridge babies, really. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you the BBs, yeah, the BBs. It's for Bridge Baby, and that those are the babies that live in the container and are somehow hooked into the user. Apparently, there's only two of them in the world. And Norman Reedus has one. of them. He has one, and then they show another one. The other one it looks like Mads Mikkelsen has the other one. Yeah, exactly. And I think Mads Mikkelsen is the guy who created them. Mm. He was like the architect mm. of them, and somehow the first yeah. one he created got away. In like people who create things like of great importance and significance in Kojima games do tend to be bad guys. Yep. Unless yep. they're Otacon. Right. Yeah. But even then, Otacon's father was right. not, yep. not flawless. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then the big news, it's coming November 8, 2019. Right. <laughs> I mean... Who would have thought that of those the, the big three, this was the first one that would come out? The developer who is notorious for delaying over and yeah. over. Feels like maybe, I mean, I don't know if Sony cracked the whip or if he learned his lesson yeah. or maybe a I mean, bit of both. He learned a pretty hard lesson because he, he talked about this game is influenced a lot by the Konami split. He said yeah. that the, a lot of the themes in this game are how he was feeling when everything started to fall apart with Konami. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of his, uh, his personal experiences built into this game mm-hmm. for sure. Um, are you more excited or less excited for this after this information burst? I don't know if excited's the word, but I'm more interested. People, it, for most people, it, seem, it seems their interest has just went over the moon. Uh, th- this trailer on Sifted, the most comments for anything on Sifted other than like our original content in like two years. Hmm. There's like 60 comments on this trailer. Well, because it's confusing yeah. and weird. There's, but some, I mean, there's something to discuss. We've basically. curated five trailers for this. None of them generated that kind of discussion. Well, this I, I one think did. because you finally see sort of a, a, an element it's of like, what shape. is it? Yeah. Like there's some kind of structure to it. There's some... Yeah, you can at least get an idea of vaguely what you're going to be doing. Even I mean, here's another him wandering around with a corpse strapped to his back. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's uh, it's certainly going to be talked about, regardless of whether it's good, bad, or anything in between. Yeah, I'm basically the same. I've been excited for this game all along. I knew it was going to be weird. I knew it was going to be different, and it is. And I think that's what has me most excited: is it's different. It's not just another rote action RPG that's either fantasy or sci-fi. It's just there's nothing like it. And it could end up becoming a to- being a total piece of crap that I hate playing, and that has happened for me with his games before. Um, so that's possible, but I, there's just nothing else on the market like it. And I think the industry needs more of this stuff because not enough publishers are willing to take risks on games like this. And I will say that if you're going to place a bet on one developer to do something like this it it is kojima so it's not like sony is being extraordinarily brave in green lighting this game but it is being brave and uh you know hopefully it turns out good and they're rewarded for the risk no matter what i'm really excited to check it out and play it i'm just hoping that um the narrative is not insultingly stupid um i mean that has been a a a catch point for me with all his games. Yeah. Like, a lot of people but, love him for that, but there's, it's not good. That's no. the thing. It's not good. No, it's... I mean, we are talking about someone who was, like, his his great aspiration in terms of filmmaking has been John Carpenter. Right. Who is, while I'm not going to say John Carpenter's bad, he's of a certain quality level. Well, I'm also going to say that I just watched the most recent Halloween... And I was completely flabbergasted to go and look at the reviews for that movie and see how high they were. 
Which was the new, the most recent one? Yeah, the one with Jamie Lee Curtis, like the reboot or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's not really a I, reboot, though, because they get, like... It's kind of a sequel to the first one, or the first two. Kind of. Well, no, but no, he's yeah, been in an insane asylum for, like, 20 years or whatever. Well, yeah, because they skip all... They just I think they skip all but Halloween 1 and they 2. They kind of act like some of the other stuff didn't happen. Basically. Yeah, but they also sort of vaguely... Yeah, they do vaguely hint at a couple of... It's things. bad. It is a bad mm-hmm. movie. And, like, the... the it was it's, one never, of those, it's never been wise to bring Jamie Lee Curtis back in that series. The they critics, always screw it up. Like, the, the score on Rotten Tomatoes from critics was, like, 80... That's odd. And then the user score was still too high, but it was lower than the critic score, which I never see on there, like, mm. ever. Unless it's, like, a protest thing. It's bad. I, I'm glad I waited to get watch it free, quote-unquote, on HBO. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's... I, I just hope that now that he's really involving, um, you know, high-quality Hollywood talent... Um, Del Toro is not great about script, so it's not like I think that's going to help all that much. Um, but like, I've never had a problem with his conce- concepts, but like the execution on like a on like a moment-to-moment dialogue sense and sort of character work has always been really weak. Yeah. Um, especially outside of like whatever the two or three main characters of something are, and there's always sort of that feeling of like, you know, you're not making anime, like. Don't make it like anime, and it just keeps being like anime. It's and hard to blame him though, because you know he grew up with right, that. But I like, mean, if a, it were us, we'd probably be doing the same thing. Sure, but like <laughs> it's like it's just weird things like the like usually this body language. It's no, like, no, it's, we don't. It's, I it's think everyone kind of knows what you mean when you say that. I mean, and it, I'm hoping that like now you've got like you know Hollywood actors in there, and they're gonna sort of help smooth that over. Um, sort of in the same way that as higher profile uh, talent has gotten involved in Quantic Dream games, the kind of the weird Frenchness of them has, has gone, d- diminished. slowly gone away. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, but even then, you can see in some of the, the, the like the clips where like Kojima's talking about the game to Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus like doesn't know what the hell he's saying. <laughs> he's yeah, like, he's like, I just he's read as the lost lines. as the rest of us. Like, he's just, you know, <laughs> he's like, they hand me a script and a script, I read they it. They say what it says. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We'll see. I mean, it, it, the one thing I can say about it uh, is that it ain't going to be boring. No. I mean, maybe it will be boring to play. But, right. like, you're not, at least you, you look at this and you're not like, well, I've seen this before. Right. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, it's it's increasingly rare to, especially big budget games like this. Like, it just doesn't happen. So thank you, Sony. Well, we'll see thank if it happens Kojima. again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but Sony kind of giving him free reign as long as he got it out in a, in a reasonable amount of time seems to be, uh, you know. Actually, Sam, will you go back just a few seconds to where that, like, wheel opens up on the screen? There's some stuff hidden in there. Yeah, stop when it has, like, all the icons up. Yeah, there's some weird stuff in there. Like, one of them has, like, a baby peeing. <laughs> yeah, like, it. It's cool that there's like these little shots in this trailer that if you want to stop them and kind gotta, of dig in. You got to drain the BB once in a while. I guess so. You got to drain the BB. Um, but anyway, I, I'm excited for this game. Just as excited as I was. I've been hyped for it all along. Um, and we don't have to wait long. I mean, holy crap. It's like a few months away and we're going to be playing this thing. It's going to be out. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, let's move on. So next, we are going to talk about Activision Blizzard as a publisher preview for E3. But as I started like really digging into it, I realized that there's only one game 
Yeah, they don't really make stuff anymore. No. <laughs> no. There's one game, and that game was just blown out this week, and it is Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I know some of you are sitting there right now. You're like, wait a minute. Am I in a time warp watching Invisible Walls from, like, 2008? No. The new Call of Duty is called Call of Duty Modern Warfare. People probably don't even realize the first one was actually called Call of Duty 4 mm -hmm. Modern Warfare, and they did drop the 4 for, like, the remaster, so it's a little funky, yeah. but this does not have the 4. It's just I Call should, of Duty I, Modern Warfare. I should also note that when I reviewed that game, uh, they started they started up the, you know, the EXE on the dev kit to, like, let me play it, and the, and the EXE was called COD3.EXE. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, clearly, Infinity Ward did not accept <laughs> the numbering of the Treyarch game yeah, at the time. Definitely, yeah, or like, they just develop, started development on it before that was decided, yeah, which is more likely. Probably. But uh, You're probably wondering why we're showing you no Russian right now. And the reason we're showing you this is because basically what's been shared and discovered over the last week is that Modern Warfare is basically an entire game of no Russian. And for those of you who are saying, what the hell is no Russian? No Russian is the scene you're seeing right now. It was in Modern Warfare 2. And basically, you're not forced to massacre people in an airport. Mm. Um, you can not shoot. Eventually, yeah. you do have to shoot. But one person in the scene. You have, you have to shoot the armed security that comes to fight you. Yeah, but you don't have to kill the innocent people who are like yeah. crawling across the floor. But you still have to witness. But you you the are people. you are free to. You are, and okay. you can you can shoot them, and no matter what, you have to watch the people who are with you mow down innocent people. And according to Infinity Ward, except that guy. Apparently. Yeah, you, yeah, you can't kill that guy. Well, he's already dead, apparently. But yeah, you can see you can pretty much shoot anyone. And this, this obviously this scene disturbed a lot of people. And well, yeah, the, it gave you the option when you started the game to skip it. It did, although it didn't tell you what you were skipping. Yeah. It just says if you are squeamish, choose yes. <laughs> so I think most people selected no and were like, no, what do you mean? And then they get here and they understand, oh, that's what you were talking about. Um, this generated a ton of negative publicity when it came out. Uh, how did you feel about no Russian? At first, like when you first I, experienced it. I have no reaction to this at all. Really? Like, it's a video game. Yeah. It's it's fictional. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't I don't understand. Like, I get thematically kind of why it was like sort of like, oh, what an what a unusual thing. Or some people like thought it was just like edgy for the sake of edgy, um, which I get. But like, it's fiction. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't feel guilty about killing non-existent people if i did i wouldn't play shooters to begin with i mean i don't i don't find it all that different so you have hmm that's interesting so you don't have any moral quandaries when you play games no just because they're, they're just because it's fiction yeah they're not real i am not a murderer for forty thousand times over because i played call of duty 4 no like, i mean nobody thinks that but you're still put in the role of this person that you're playing as yeah. So you're I, basically saying you feel nothing while you play video games? I mean, it's fun, but like, I, I don't feel like guilty about doing things in games unless there's like a real tie to the character. Like, I felt, I felt, I was angry at my shepherd in Mass Effect Three when she shot uh, uh, Morden because I like Morden so much. Um, but there are no characters in this level. Like, it's just innocent people running. Did around. you? So Dean Takahashi, guy's been doing it as long as we have. He works oh, at yeah. VentureBeat. 
He uh, also has a good Mass Effect story. Yeah. Well, he also has a really good <laughs> Cuphead story. That. Yeah, that's a different thing. Yeah. Well, people still don't leave him oh, alone actually, about that. Oh, actually, that's very similar. People actually. still don't leave him alone about that, by the way. Oh, I'm sure. So he wrote an article. He he was at the reveal event, and mm-hmm. he watched the actual demos that were shown by Infinity Ward, and he said that he was repulsed by the game. Um, he said, you can do it, and it's art, and I totally get that, but that doesn't mean that you should do it. And he described a couple different scenes that they showed him. One was you break into like a jihadi safe house. This is the new one? Yeah. Okay. He break into a jihadi safe house and there are women and children in there. And like one of the guys takes your takes one of your one of your team hostage and you shoot him in the head and when you do that a woman runs for something. Mm. And you have to make the decision right then do you kill her or do you let her go? And there are kids around. So you could conceivably, like, miss and kill innocent children. Uh, That was one of the scenes that he talked about that he said that just turned his stomach and he couldn't deal with it. And there's one other one. I don't want to ruin the whole article for you. It's on Sifted. You can check it out. Um, Dean worked really hard on it. He did a great job on it. So I don't want to spoil the whole thing. But there were two scenes in the article that just basically repulsed him. And he, the article was basically a plea, a, a pointless plea, to be perfectly honest, to Infinity Ward to, like, change the game. He basically said he doesn't want to play it that way. He doesn't like being put into positions in games that he wouldn't want to be put into in real life, which I don't agree with that either, but... I mean, I wouldn't want to be on an intergalactic space station that's on fire either right. in real life. Yeah. That's, that's a weird thing to say. I mean, part of the, you... Isn't part of the point of like you know fiction, not just games, but anything to be in, in, a, in a place you would never be and have to deal with situations you would never have to deal with without like paying for the consequences of them? Like, that seems to be kind of the point in a yeah. lot of ways. How do you feel about a game that's permeated with these type of situations? Because No Russian had a huge impact. It was really the only mm-hmm. scene in the game that was that way. It provided a huge peak among the peaks and valleys. But right. It was kind of, you, it was Modern Warfare 2's equivalent of the nuke in Modern right. Warfare 1. It was right. the thing that everything hinged, hinged on. upon. Absolutely. But isn't it different, though, when... The whole game is like that. Like, you don't get the valleys anymore. It's like mm-hmm. you just turn it up to 11 and it just kind of stays there. Well, to be honest, that's, you know, outside of the controversial material even even aside, that has been kind of my problem with Call of Duty campaigns for a while now, is, like, they don't know how to let it breathe. Yeah. Um, Infinity Ward knew how... The old Infinity Ward, the people who became Respawn, they knew how to let that stuff breathe. They knew how to quiet it down. I mean, also... The Gilly stuff, co- yeah. We'll also consider... The, re- the double entendre of no Russian is not just that he says don't speak Russian so they don't know we're Russian. It's also called no Russian because you have to walk. Yeah. You have to walk through and see everything. No Russian. You no know, Russian. No rushing. Yeah. No Russian through it. You have yeah. to walk and you have to see all this in front of you and you have to deal with it and then you get shot in the head. <laughs> Regardless of what you <laughs> and do. And thrown into the back of a, of a van. But, um, or no, you get shot outside the van. Yeah, when you try right to before get they in. leave because yeah. they, kn- they knew you were undercover right. the whole time. Um, so, uh, so yeah, like clearly Infinity Ward, you know, this was a very conscious choice at this point in the story to do this and pull that rug out from under you in a game that is, you know, the story is trying to pull the rug out in a lot, you know, you, you, you see America invaded successfully in a lot, you know, yeah. for the most part, you see some beloved characters get killed later on. You see a major betrayal later. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens in that regard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if it's like Dean says, and it's like almost every level has some kind of like thing like that. I mean, I think what they're going for there is probably 
you know, the idea that in warfare things aren't clean. Thing, you know, you're not no, going exactly to they... bust into a room and like everyone in the room is conveniently an evil person. Like, yeah, that kind that's of thing. what they said. They're, they're trying to portray the gray area that right. is modern war now, particularly when you're dealing with extremists and, you know, people who are living in sleeper yeah. cells. And, it's or like they, or embedded, it's like, embedded in normal civilian yeah, it's locations. It's like when they went to like, kill Osama bin Laden. Like mm -hmm. his kids were there, his wife, wives his were wives were there. Like they had to kill. Like Or in, um, or, you know, I mean, it goes back to Vietnam. Yeah. Um, I was actually watching some interviews with, with veterans from, you know, it was the interviews were done in like 90, but there was one guy who was just literally talking about how like, he didn't understand when he got there that there weren't enemy combatants. They were just everywhere. And every and it's they, just the people that yeah. live there. And they just yeah. start, they eventually would start going through villages and they just call down strikes and they'd leave that village and they got out of that village, but they left behind 20 or 30 new recruits for the Viet Cong because yeah. they hated them right. for they doing so what they angry. did. Yeah. But there was no other, they couldn't think of any other way to fight them. And eventually when, once you do that long enough, you sort of lose yourself. And at a certain point, he's just yeah. like, I was just marching along. I was going forward every day. So I, cause I knew if I lived long enough, I'd get to go home yeah. and I didn't care what happened to anybody else. And if they're trying to simulate that, like in a narrative sense, like I get what they're after there, but I also understand what Dean is saying where it's like, I don't want to play that. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't want to play that. But when he says no. that, I yeah. understand, you understand what he why means. he like, would have like, that perspective. I, like no Russian does not have any impact on me outside of like, oh, that's a cool narrative twist to, to make me do that or to put that in a game, especially at the time they were doing that. Like, I see what you're saying with that. Um, I also understand why people didn't like it. I also understand why someone wouldn't want to play it. Like, I get that. I'm not trying to argue that like you should, everybody should toughen up and play horrible things they don't want to see. Yeah. Because like, look, not everybody can handle Gaspar Noe, okay? Yeah. You know, no, I would never suggest anyone watch Irreversible. Yeah. Um, but I watched it, and it I'm, not, that bad. I'm not going to say I'm glad I watched it, because yeah. that's a rough watch, but, like, you know, you know I, Gaspar Noe's recent movie, Climax, is probably his most family-friendly film. Um, <laughs> uh, it, that's funny to say. If you know, if you know this director, this, that's, a, that's very funny. Yeah. Uh, but I saw that at 10 in the morning on a Sunday. <laughs> and that will color the rest of your day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I like that. Like, I like that kind of like, you know, putting yourself through something in art that is not necessarily pleasant. Yeah. And I'm not saying like I went through No Rush and be like, woo, kill all the... But I, you know, I, I absorb the, 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 the context of it and the and the weight of it in terms of the narrative and I accepted it and I went through it. And that's kind of all I, my reaction to that kind of thing is, um, do I want to go around like shooting children in the head intentionally in this new one? No, but it also doesn't seem like that is what they're trying to make you do. No, no, Unless no. there's some achievements in there that someone should really rethink. Right, yeah, <laughs> like, that would be bad. Also like maybe, you know, while I understand what Dean is saying there, like no one seems to care about the campaign in this series anymore. Yeah. I mean, like, that's kind like, of the really interesting like feel, part, isn't it? And like, I mean, we didn't even bring up the fact that the campaign came back. Right, but I didn't, re I, yeah. didn't read, I didn't read his article yet. Yeah. So I don't know if he makes this point. But if you know the context of not of how people don't seem to care about the campaign and how the campaign was even gone a year ago, um, I definitely can see where you'd see that in this new one and think, are you just doing it's this a as a stunt tactic. to desperately try to get people to pay attention to this part of the game? He actually again? does not bring that point up in his article. No, okay, no. well, um, like, because that, but, that, he, but that may be to right. Me, that's, like, to me, that to me, that would be a valid question. To yeah, ask. I mean, it might be true. Because like, there's there is on one hand sort of the like, yes, this is what warfare is now. Yeah. And on the other hand, there's sort of like, well, you knew this was going to get, you know, attention, right? Dean was saying that he thinks no, the game might get like an AO. 
Really? Oh, he said it's like, first of all, we also didn't mention, they have a brand new graphics engine. The first yeah. since. Oh, it looks great. Oh my God, it's like photorealistic. Yeah. And he said that's part of the Captain problem. Captain Price is back. Yeah. I like he Captain said Price. that's part of the problem is that it's so it is so realistic. And I mean, he said the blood and the gore looks extremely realistic. And he said it turned his stomach, basically. And he just didn't want to experience any more of the game. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. it's like... I mean, people say that about Mortal Kombat as well, and I just think that's funny. I mean, yeah. I, I doubt I, don't, I doubt I would find this funny, in it, but it's like, uh, also like, I have a hard time believing anything could get an AO without hardcore sex in it. Yeah, like that seems to be AO what the is AO there is for, for AO yeah. is there for porn. Because it's, it's not America. there for violence. There's no there's no limit. I mean, overseas, yeah, like guns good. Boobies bad. Yeah, pretty much. God bless America. Uh, there's gonna be. I mean, clearly, I would think if it's if it's on the level of what Dean is saying, then like you might see a different version for Australia and and oh, uh, Europe. Oh, they're in Germany. Absolutely. Well, Germany, yeah, all the blood's gonna be green in Germany. <laughs> oh um, yeah, they're gonna have problems if it's really. I mean, I don't know why it, he's not the only one who's been talking about mm -hmm. it. He was the only one who was like completely repulsed by it. Other journalists have kind of t been like, I don't know. Well, to me, well, having you, a whole game full of that stuff, I don't think that's I don't think that's a good idea. Not because it's like, oh, you just want to, you're just being sadistic with your game. I just don't think it makes for a good plot mm -hmm. when it's just one god awful thing happening after another. Like he said, it felt like you were on a, a tour of travesty. Like mm -hmm. everywhere you went, it's like now we're here, but this god awful stuff happens here too. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, which is realistic. But on the flip side, Apocalypse Now is considered a masterpiece. Yeah. So, well, it is, but I'm not. I'm not saying that these people are on the level of Coppola, right, right, but right. like, uh, there is there is merit to the idea of presenting a war story in that kind of context. Yeah. Um, do you want that in your mainstream twenty million seller fingers crossed Call of Duty game? Weird flex, but okay, Activision. Yeah. You know, I mean, it feels. Like, I do it, tend to agree with you, though. I think it, it is kind of a a desperate ploy to try to make the campaign relevant mm -hmm. again. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like definitively saying that's what I think it is. I'm just saying like, that's what it makes me. That sounds that way. Yeah. Like, and frankly, it looks like it worked. Yeah. It's getting hype. Like I said, I mean this, that trailer also did great views on sifted and mm -hmm. call of duty stuff. Usually. I mean, you got my attention by bringing back captain price. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I know Infinity Ward is not the Infinity Ward of old, but we see him. You know, I love Inf Inf Infinite Warfare, uh, yeah. and they made that, so maybe they can make something that I like here. I don't know. It was crazy talking about what this game is, and then seeing the B-roll of Infinite Warfare playing. Yeah, because you're like, wow, this is like, and it was great. Yeah. Infinite Warfare's campaign was awesome, mm -hmm. but it's such a difference oh, in tone. Infinite Warfare is super clean. <laughs> In yeah. Comparison. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, this is that's what we're seeing. I mean, right there's now. something almost sterile about the the, the future warfare and yeah. infinite warfare, which yep. maybe is part of the issue. Yeah, could be. Um, but I loved it. I did too. Um, I thought it was great. Now, to be fair, I loved it largely because of the the, the far future military setting. Oh come on, you know it's um, Kit Harrington. Ugh. <laughs> um. How do you how do you keep his hair poofy like that under the helmet all the time? I don't know. He's in um, rehab right now. Maybe he's got time to figure it out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, nah, that last season would send anybody into rehab. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like, so it's not like I I loved Infinite Warfare largely because of the quality of the story. I loved it because like it was. I thought the setting was cool and unique. And anytime you want to show me a whole bunch of giant floating super super carriers 
get blown up by lasers, pew pew, I'm, I'm on board. To be fair, it was the scenarios that yeah. I liked. And it was yeah. varied and different, and there's like one the minute you're walking in space, the next minute you're just boots on the ground yeah. shooting. And like, like, going to different planets and seeing like, whoa, what is, what is you know, Titan look like? What, yeah. is, what is these different like locations in the solar system that, oh, they've got an installation that does this, and the gravity is like this. and Like, like there was a dis- sense of discovery as yeah. you went to each new place. And in that way, I think, actually, this new game might be designed kind of the same way. Yeah, I can see that. In a sick kind of way, though. Yeah, yeah, like, what horrible thing, what right. horrible torture will we have to deal with right. in this level? Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Like, I, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. There are some other details that we haven't brought up yet. Uh, as we said, it has a campaign. Black Ops 4 did not have a campaign. No season pass. Bold. All DLC free. They're taking the respawn approach yeah. with so, this game. So how are they making money? I guess they're just counting on the campaign, getting that many more people to buy it. Cosmetics yeah. and multiplayer. Yeah, I mean, cosmetics would have to be... You know, micro- I mean, no matter what you're leaving a big chunk of money on the table. Yeah. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, it's just the facts. Despite they, the fact It that, really feels like they are in search of a formula here for the maybe, last couple years. Here's maybe one way they did offset it. So even though there's no season pass and all the DLC is free, all that content is still coming to PS4 first. Mm. So it could be a case where they just said to Sony, look, if you want that exclusivity this time, you're going to have to pay us double what you've been paying us. Yeah, I don't know. Pay us what we would have gotten from a season pass. It's possible. I mean, we're, we are grasping at straws trying to figure out why mm-hmm. why they would do this. So that is one I mean, it's Activision. It must make financial sense somewhere. Or it wouldn't do it. Or they wouldn't do we it. We know that. Yeah. Although it did publish Sekiro, which... Did all right. I mean, it did okay, but there's no DLC or anything like that. It was okay with just publishing a single-player game. That's yeah. good. Um, Activision's an odd beast these days. Yep. Another big deal. Cross-play. Yeah. At launch. Across everything. Across everything. Sony already on board. PC gamers, time for target shooting. Yeah, how's that going to work? <laughs> mm, it's going to work real well if you're playing on PC. Well, yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't. I mean, what? how do they do it with Fortnite? Can PC players play with console players on Fortnite? Yeah. Really? And mobile. I mean, you play mobile. Yeah, but mobile, you have a disadvantage. With right. PC, you have a huge advantage. Right, but it's like clearly nobody cares, or they don't care about who's at a disadvantage or advantage. Yeah, I guess you're right. It just seems like it's something that we worry about that they don't anymore. I don't know. It's like, I don't want to play the PC version. Like, I want to play the console version, and if I'm getting my ass handed to me in multiplayer, it's going to be a little weird. Still great. It's good for the community. Uh... It's good for players, no matter what version you buy. And look, right now, it's unclear whether there's going to be a Switch version of the game. There's been a mm-hmm. couple clues that there might be. That would surprise me. Yeah, I mean, usually only Treyarch supports Nintendo platforms. Yeah, well, they haven't so far, have they? Well, I mean, for Wii, they put out Black Ops 2. That was a long time it ago. It was, yeah. I mean, you could probably put some last-gen ports on there. Uh, or, or, or like the remasters of the Modern Warfare or something. Yeah, I think it's unlikely. I I don't see that especially with a new engine yeah like, I don't, how do you cram that onto the switch um so we said new graphics engine that's a huge deal for call of duty it's been mm-hmm. like 10 years Long in the making time. uh cross Just the play. fact that it doesn't look like you, can, you don't look at it and instantly think call of duty You're like yeah. call of duty has a look to it well i'll tell you when it first that trailer first starts i thought it was live action footage yeah, it's because there's like the night vision on, yeah. and like I was like, well, oh, the they're using the, live action. The fact that the night vision isn't just a filter anymore, right? You know, it's, it's a, real night yeah. vision. Yeah, it actually works the way it's supposed to. Um, and then the final piece of at least of what they shared so far, and obviously we're gonna get more at E3. No zombies. Yeah, I 
was were people surprised by this? Uh, Infinity Ward installments don't generally have zombies. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they were surprised because it was Infinity Ward's mm. game. I think that it's become such a staple of the franchise at this point that people are like, maybe every Call of Duty mm. at this point should just have it. I mean, if you've got the gore on the level of what Dean's talking about, maybe zombies would make a lot of sense for this. Yeah, it might be but pretty disturbing. Maybe just save it for next year. I yeah. Mean, something, one more thing to show. I honestly don't care about zombies. No, I, I, haven't, I don't bother with I played Black stuff. Ops 4 at this point for probably 200 hours, and I have not touched zombies since I was evaluating it for like the eval and for the show. I just don't care. Don't and, touch zombies. And because kids. of that, that was what we based our poll of the week on this week on Twitter. Sam, bring it up. So we wondered, you know, do pe- other people care about zombies all that much? And so the question is, oh, will the lack of zombies mode keep you from buying Call of Duty Modern Warfare? Uh, only 3% said that it would actually keep them from buying it. Yes, I love that mode. Uh, 22% said it depends on the other content, which at this point, it doesn't look like there is any other content aside from what was announced. So those people are probably also in that same camp. Uh, no, I love Call of Duty, 28%. And then 47%, no interest in this IP at all. How does it sell so many if these people have no interest in the IP? Same way Wildlands did. I guess. It doesn't sell to uh, to us. It sells to the mainstream. Yeah. I mean, look, there are core gamers that play it. I'm one and I play it. You've got a huge percentage right there. Yeah, but but 47% are like, no matter what you do with Mm -hmm. this IP, I don't care. I mean, that's pretty much what they're saying. Yeah, well, if you're not interested in you shooters, know, yeah. The I just can't believe it's man half, shooter. I just can't believe that half of the people who replied in this poll hate shooters. Well, it's not exactly a cross section of the entire gaming well, world. No, it's, it's, you know, but it's half of the people who follow Sifted on Twitter. Yeah, but if you did a poll of like you know twenty thousand people, you'd probably get a more even split. You would, but it, there's a certain point, like at GT when we did polls, like once they did 5,000, we didn't look at them again. Mm-hmm. Once 5,000 people voted in a poll, it never changed. Well, that's, uh, you know... That's still a lot more than a few hundred that voted yeah, on this Yeah, it's poll. borderline statistically significant, although you run into the problem of the fact that it's a self-selecting online poll. But, um... No, I mean, it's just, yeah, the, the, the vast majority of sales for Call of Duty comes from outside the core gaming demographic, and that's fine, Yeah. You know? It's like Wildlands. We did. We had, you know, most people who were like hardcore fans of follow game news every day had no idea Wildlands was the best-selling game of the yeah. first half of that year until right. suddenly this, this, the, the Ubisoft's like, "Hey, this is the best-selling game of the year," and we're like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Were you playing that? I yeah. wasn't playing that. Like, playing? <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, you're right. I mean, the, the there are certain games that hit the mainstream. The market is the vast and infinite now, which is like, good. You know, oh yeah, yeah. It's exactly what the industry needs. The, if you can get like a big, super multi-million mega hit. Like over here with these people, and then have another multi-million seller mega hit with a completely different group of people with almost no overlap. That's a healthy market. It is. That's good. That Absolutely. means that means more variety. It means more opportunity. It means more things greenlit that aren't all the same thing. Uh, so just to wrap up the topic, do you think that there's ever a case where a video game can be too violent to be enjoyable? I mean, I would argue that the medium and the, the creative and narrative angles of the medium are not mature enough to really handle rape as a subject yeah. at this point, if ever, because yeah, there's a point of, like, like who would, who really wants to do that anyway? It's like, I mean, it's certainly in an interactive sense. Um, but in terms of just sort of like enhancing the violence of what we've already been playing for, you know, 30 years, um, you know, going back to doom or whatever, or Wolfenstein, like, I, I don't really have an issue with it. 
like bullets kill people. Well, you're talking about morally, but just to make a game enjoyable to play. Oh yeah, I mean the enjoyable to play part of a game like this for me is how good it feels to you know the gunplay and aiming. You know, it's like, do I care whether I'm blowing up someone's head in a gory mess? Of a real of a realistic person, or whether I'm you know popping a, an alien monster's head in Destiny, not really. I mean, it feels the fun is there for me one or the one way or the other because of how the, the game feels to play. Uh, certainly, the narrative and sort of the context of things can influence whether I like it more or less. But um, like, no, gore just gore doesn't really bother me. I mean, I, I watched Alien when I was eight. Like, gore doesn't... I mean, I did, too. I grew up a total gore hound. My parents did not care what I watched at all. And we had a satellite dish, and we got everything for free. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would argue I'm just the wrong... But it does bother me. I do feel differently when I'm interacting with a human in a game versus an alien or an animal or whatever. It does. It's the anatomy of it. It's like seeing a human head explode versus... Seeing an alien head with green goo in it explode, like it, it has a different impact on me for sure. It doesn't really for me. I mean, and see, like I, I seen like that, seeing one human trying to help another human, and then seeing somebody kill that human that's trying to help it, that bothers me. It does affect me. And if I saw like a a tiger like dragging an injured cub away or what, it would not have the same impact as like what I saw there. It see, would have would, an impact. So I would agree that it wouldn't have the same impact because it would have more impact on me because I find violence against animals in games to be more affecting than violence against humans. I don't think you're alone. I think um, there are, I, there's a lot of people who care about their dogs more than they care about people. So yeah, you're definitely not alone. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but like, yeah. like it will bother me more to see like a dog die horribly than a person. Um, probably because that person was probably an asshole of someone at some point, and that dog was a dog. But, like, people also don't kill dogs in games very often unless they do it to, like, you know, ev- evoke an emotional response. I mean, they're doing yeah. it on purpose. They're tra- you know, well, dogs are also a special case. I mean, right. or a lot cats, of people look or, at dogs I mean, like a part of your family. Or cats or anything. Like any I mean, domesticated I, pet. I mean, I, when, I, when there's hunting... That's why I brought up a wild animal. When there's hunting in games, it counts in wild animals. Like, in hunting in games, I will only kill as many as I need to kill to fulfill the upgrade requirements or whatever. Like I will not just randomly go kill thing animals in in uh, like Far Cry or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why I need four tigers to make a a pouch a of ammo. Like <laughs> like just the least effective skinning yeah. game. I mean, dude, you you need to stop cutting holes in the pelt. I don't know what you're doing when you because you're not showing yeah. me. It's off screen, so I can't. At least when when um, Arthur Morgan does it, you see he keeps that buffalo hide in one piece. He's very good. He's very good at that. Yeah. Um, I'm probably like the wrong person to ask on that just because I don't react like that to things I know aren't real. Um, beyond, you know, I, re- I react to narrative. I react, I react to theme. I react to sort of effective character work. But like you just throw me in a thing and say like, oh, look at those innocent people. I mean, would I open fire on a real group of innocent people? Of course not. Like that's not a, a thing that I'm interested in. I don't think in. anyone would accuse you of that but, like, just because you, you did it again. You'd be surprised. The internet is, really? is the internet is interesting <laughs> about this kind of thing. It's just huh. it's not it's not real. Yeah. You know, and and there's subject matter I wouldn't want to tackle. Like I said, like rape or like kind of you know sexual slavery. Like usually things like things like that that can really be a thing. Because I think one well, of the I reasons. I think what's really twisting me up about I this think one with of the, you is that you love movies so much and so i'm sitting here listening to you, you talk about this in games and i'm like then how do you like movies well I, they're not real movies have much more effect on me but why because they are more carefully crafted and effective narrative work whereas you always lose something in terms of sort of guiding the emotional experience in a game 
because you have to give up that control to give people interactivity. I mean, I obviously there's like walking simulators and stuff where you, 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 you there's a, there's a, there's degrees on that. You can, you can pull interactivity way back and still be called considered a game. But, but aren't you, when you say that, aren't you just assuming that every video game story forever is going to be terrible? No, because there's, there's a handful that I think are, are, are moving on, on that level, but like, 99% probably not. I mean, I agree far. with you. You're right. I mean, I've said it a thousand times on Game Face and Invisible Walls, the stories also, in games are worse the, than the... Right. Or, it's and also, this, and this may tie in with what you're talking about with advanced technology and, and display capability. Um, movies are people. There's a real person. I mean, CG or whatever. But there's generally a real actor up there portraying yeah. a real person's behavior and you know, in, in an effective performance is you're watching a real person. And, you know, Computer-generated actors in games just aren't there yet. Not for me, anyway. I and I think they're getting there. I mean, they're getting close. I mean, you're getting hit in a point where, like, some of these deep fakes can be... I think that yeah. Modern Warfare footage is it's, yeah, pretty it's compelling, man. Like, I was like, dang, that looks like, or like, like uh, body cam footage from like the military. Or like the Last of Us 2 trailer from Last yeah. E3. Like, uh, I mean, the... the, the um, you know the, the the dance stuff uh, and her interactions with those characters. Like I buy it. Like I, I mean, as, I even as, bought the interaction with like the bad guys. Like yeah. that whole skirmish that she has with them. Like I was on the edge of my seat, yeah. like scared. I, mean, I admit, one of my most one of the reasons I'm most interested in Last of Us Two is because assuming that the actual action is reflect, you know, the action in that trailer is reflective of what we'll be doing in the game, and they're not going to scale it back the way they did with the first one. Let's right. not forget. No, you're right. Um, I'm very curious what my reaction to that will be because yeah. like that looks like you know th there's a there's a desperation to it there's yeah. a there's a feeling of like you know you know because that's the other thing about like it's easy to sort of just sort of bleep past um, you know mowing down tons of tons of enemies in a game because they die so easy and they just sort of become targets or obstacles but um, the Last of Us two footage from from Last E three there was an element of like People are hard to kill. Yeah. Like, and yeah. that one, especially that one big guy at the end of the, the fight sequence, like, she has to, like, wear him down and really hurt him yeah. to make him stop being able to hurt her. And that is a very interesting and more disturbing um, portrayal of violence between two people than I think I've ever seen in a game before, at least yeah. in an interactive section. Is if they keep that as... It definitely a, felt real, for sure. Yeah, if they keep that as an element of how the game plays and they don't have a technical reason to try to kind of punt on that. Like I'm very interested to see what my reaction to that will be because uh, watching that trailer and it also maybe helped that it was juxtaposed with very believable dialogue scenes between characters that I believed felt real in yeah. terms of their portrayal visually and acting wise. That whole thing, you could tell they spent a lot of time. Oh, with it definitely. Absolutely. And it was all planned to do exactly what. So yeah, did. I will reserve that like, you know, we are maybe moving into a, a period of New time era. where maybe some of these games, especially from someone as, you know, a, a, a developer as high profile and talented as Naughty Dog could finally start sort of making me say more often, okay, like I got, I get like this one, this one got me, but um, no Russian ain't that. Yeah. It's because uh, honestly, I, no, I mean, I, it's also on old hardware. Old hardware. It looks a little cartoony. And as much as I appreciate sort of going for the shock value on things, I also recognize that they are going for the shock value yeah. on that. You know, it's, it's yep. uh, certainly effective. For I'll never I'll never forget when I was at that resort in my room by myself and it started. Mm. And uh, I feel like I knew about it already. I'll for never. Some no, nobody knew about it. Like we all came back from, we all left our rooms and went to the mess hall for lunch together. Mm -hmm. and, and like, you could tell who had uh, got to it 
and who had not got to it yet? I don't think I went down for lunch. Uh, I, I think I just played it. Uh, I, I played until dinner. You could see it. Like, you could see the look on people's faces that were just like, did I really just experience that? And no one wanted to talk about it because it was a huge spoiler, and you didn't know how far people had mm. made it yet. Like, it was very weird. Um, but you're right. because we were at, like, this gorgeous resort, and, like, everything was amazing. Like, they were serving. Oh, yeah, yeah, everyone's, like, super pleasant. And we're like, hi. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. I mean, I was a little burned out just because I spent, like, five hours playing a really loud shoot i mean it was it's an you know it's an they, they set you the up audio in these rooms with a crazy audio and like amazing. it's just it's just yeah. oppressive black ops 4's audio is incredible but anyway that's activision blizzard they're gonna have a shitty e3 <laughs> but it sounds like if this is the case here they might have some of the most coverage of e3 you may be absolutely right because what happens when the cnn's and the usa yeah. today's and all get a hold of this I'm wondering. I don't if, want to be cynical, but that might be the point. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if Microsoft lets a demo of this on its stage. That's an because traditionally, micro, but until this gen, Microsoft's kind of I mean, started their press conference. It has with, the choice with no Sony; it can choose to put that game theory, on its stage, unless that's part of the deal with Sony for the early DLC. That is possible, but let's just hypothetically say Sony's there. Do you put this in your press conference? Maybe. I mean, you'd have to control it. But or then, do you want them to just again, put some benign part I mean, of the these, game in where I mean, these shooting. press conferences have shown crazy stuff before. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Ubisoft goes around dropping F-bombs like it's going out of style in their press conferences now. Yeah, there's a big difference between this, though, and swearing. Yeah, but I'm mean, saying, like, they're not afraid of, like, pushing the envelope and showing headshots and, like, you know, it's just, you know, showing fatalities with the Mortal Kombat stuff. They've done that before. Like, it's... I don't think this is just about the gore, though. It's, it's, I don't even think. I think the gore is really low down the, the well, it, ladder of well, what, the case why that, this is a big deal. You just do a demo where you don't shoot any women and children. That's what I was asking. Yeah, do like, you ask them to just play a benign part of the game where it's just a typical Call of Duty and you're just shooting people? Probably. I mean, I don't know if you want your big, like, memorable moment to be that time in the Call of Duty demo where they shot a boy in the head. Like, that's not. But really if you're in Infinity Ward and in and Activision, do you agree to that? Sure. I mean, this is the game that you've created. You've got your... At this event, they showed two demos that were both like no Russian, like hardcore, mm -hmm. got to make decisions really quickly that's going to get people killed that you don't want to see die. If you're Activision in Infinity War, do you want to go on a stage and not represent your game as it really is? Well, that wouldn't be anything new for any of these publishers. Yeah, so, I guess you're right. I mean, it is all a facade anyway. Yeah, so. I mean, I'd be fine. You, you do you do the clean version or whatever at, on the Microsoft stage. You got your own publicity stuff, events or whatever to show it. You know, the really gnarly stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they already did. You know. Yeah, so. they did. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Warhammer Chaos Bane. It is. And the easiest way to describe it is a Diablo clone. It is a Diablo set in the Warhammer universe. So, so it's this a, is a fantasy Warhammer, not the yeah, not the grim dark future. Not the 40k War, yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's it's the fantasy. Um, it is it's an isometric cooperative action RPG, just like Diablo. Uh, you can play it by yourself. Or you can play it online with up to four other players. Or, and this is cool, you can play locally with three other players as well. So up to four can play at once. Um, I guess the best thing I can say about it is that it's not 
is is that it is kind of comparable to Diablo. But that's also its problem, is mm. that it's not Diablo. Why, why wouldn't you just play Diablo? Why wouldn't you just play Diablo? And I think that's a question a lot of people were asking. And it, honestly, it was a question I was asking myself. some Warcraft-ass shoulders right there. Yeah. I mean, I know Warcraft stole, basically is Warhammer. Right. Adapted. but Pretty much. Um, and Starcraft is Warhammer 40K. Right. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how games work. If Games Workshop would call it funny, right? I oh, know it definitely wouldn't find it funny because it's been become far more successful than uh, Warhammer at this point. Uh, the game story, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even pay attention to it. It's uh, there's this opening cinematic you're seeing right now, and that's pretty much it. The rest of the story is told through crude on-screen characters and text. And mm-hmm. after like the first five or six screens of it, I I couldn't even understand what they were talking about. I, I'll fully admit. I know little to nothing about Warhammer's fantasy canon. And as the words just started coming that I didn't know what they were, I just tuned it out and stopped paying attention. Yeah. I don't know. I know 40K pretty well, but I have never never delved into the fan- Warhammer fantasy side. Nor I. And so I had no idea what was going on. And in all honesty, the story is really not that important. Um, it's basically like, hey, something, something happened. Now go to this dungeon and kill all that crap in there. Like... That's yeah, really you, all you the story. You don't need a lot of narrative in these games. No, you right? don't. Um, let's see. I enjoyed it. I, I played as a ranged character in this, which I never do. I never play as ranged characters in any RPG. It is always the last class that I want to choose, but for some reason... I love archers in I, these I do too. Games. I do too. I don't know why, but this is the only genre where I like to play as a ranged character. Hmm. I play... Range characters in League of Legends too, but it's kind of similar in all honesty. They're kind of similar games in a, a lot of bit. ways. Um, so I played as an archer. And you're seeing right now all the upgrade trees. The upgrade trees are insane. Uh, you can basically customize the controller however you want. So all, all four shoulder buttons and the two right shoulder buttons, you can set them up however you want. Um, now, like most people, I set like X to like my one arrow shot and then circle to my spread arrow shot and then use the other four buttons for like my more like my area attacks and my special mm-hmm. attacks and things like that. Um, but there are literally dozens and dozens of different attacks. And I'll say this too for the pacing, uh, they unlock steadily. So there's always something being added to the skill tree that you can add into your repertoire if you want to. You can also change that stuff on the fly. It's like once you go into a mission, you can still go in and change it all up. So if you set up your attacks and you're not happy with how they're working out, or maybe one attack isn't powerful enough for how much of your meter it's taking, you can change that like on the fly and set it up however you want it to. Um, so there's a lot of customization as far as you can play it however you want. Uh, there are like four different characters when you first start the game. There's really no character creation tool at all, mm. um, which in 2019 is a little bit surprising and a little bit disappointing. Um, well, to be fair, Diablo 3 doesn't give you much. No, it doesn't, but this gives you nothing. And yeah. uh, this game does have a huge sort of post-launch content plan in place. And it's weird to have games like that that don't really delve into cosmetics and things like that. Now, look, you get plenty of loot. Don't get me wrong. And it takes quite a while before the loot actually starts looking interesting. Um, you're basically a peasant for the first, like, ten hours. And then all of a sudden, you're, like, a super warrior with, like, these crazy, like, helms and everything. Um... So my biggest complaint with this game, and I'll just be perfectly honest with you, and it's something that's in almost every game of this type, is I, first of all, I started playing it one day, 
And the game has, at least it had, I haven't had them in the last couple of days, it had network issues when it first launched. So the game would not let me play. I was getting an hmm. error message that said, your console is sending too many requests to the server. And I was hmm. like, what the hell are you talking about? The, the, like, full retail? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, they sent me a code. It's a download code, but it is the final build. But it was the final. It, it was, was the final build. It was, it was the re- what was released. It was review code, absolutely. And so I emailed their PR person. I'm like, hey, I'm having this problem. And he's like, I've heard this before. They're working on it. There's going to be a patch issued overnight. When you get up tomorrow, it will be fixed. I was like, okay. So I just stopped playing it. Got up the next morning, booted it up. Sure enough, he was right. Everything worked fine. So I got in with a group of three people online and basically played the game all day. This is one of those games that once you start playing, just like Diablo, once you start playing it, man, the hours just melt away. Because it's just like, you're just constantly engaged. This game has like no cutscenes, so you're not like sitting around watching stuff. It's like, oh, we finished that mission. We got our rewards. Oh, now here's another one. And when you're playing with other people, it just turns into this thing where you just keep going. And I basically finished the whole game that day. Um, had to go out and get dinner. I was hungry. I had, like I said, I had played it all day. Turned off my PS4, went and got dinner, came back, ate, turned it back on. All my progress was gone. Hmm. Nothing saved. Because you played it online. Yep. All my achievements were there. Like my achievements finished chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five. My character was level 40 something and all I could play was the first mission. And that was it. I was done. I will never play it again. I... And again, I realized that the last Diablo had this same feat. It is crap. It is total crap. I don't, maybe once upon a time I could have understand why they do it. I don't understand it now because I was the person carrying. I wasn't the host, but I was the guy carrying the whole four player team. I was the one wiping everybody out while they ran behind me and picked up all the loot. But the person running behind me, picking up all the loot, doing absolutely nothing to proceed, is the one who got who got the progress. Because he's the host. But the, what's the host? What is the host? The host is the one who sets the game. That's up. bullshit, though. That should not be the reason why he gets to get to get progression, and no one else gets it. That's insane. That's basically how the, as I understand it, how the people who like these this type of game want it. Why? Because they want to have control over how their own game progresses. And if they don't want to progress... They, they do have control. You don't play co-op online. Well, they want to play co-op online, but they don't want the, that to mess up like the progression of their own game. Playing this by yourself blows. And I think playing all games like this well, by play, yourself blows. You should blows. play it as the host. What difference does it make who the host is? I don't know. I don't even know who the host is. Like, you just go on matchmaking and you click play online and you sit there and wait. How do I know if I'm the host or somebody else is the host? Well, How do you know what they deem the host? Did you join the game or did you have other people join your game? That's what the host means. So in the menu, and unfortunately we don't have footage of this, in the menu it says play, Mm -hmm. and then it says play online. Okay. And that's it. When you click play online, it says searching for a game, and eventually you get a game and you start playing. Well, there must be a way to establish that you want people to join your game rather than go join their game. Maybe. But I, I, I couldn't find it. But you can see here. Look at this. Like, I grabbed this footage yesterday, and I'm playing with a bunch of noobs. I'm like, I, like, two hit this boss. Like, it's a joke. Like, I just walk through the game. I'm like, 
Who wants to play this now? Would you want to go through the whole game again just walking through it like that? No. I have. It sucks. It's a problem. I it's kind, a problem. I kind of enjoy steamrolling stuff. I don't. After doing that. Uh, it was pointless. I was like, what am I doing? And it was funny just watching like the... Can it, you up the difficulty It was now? like the little fish that swim along beside sharks. <laughs> like can you up them the, like scooping up the loot as I killed everything. Can you up the difficulty? Yeah, you can. So just do that. Yeah, but then you have to find people to play with who also want to play at that difficulty. Mm. Well, then at least you will be able to host. That's true. Then no matter what, I would definitely be the host. Uh, yeah. And again, like, I don't want to single out this game for it because, like I said, most games like this do the same thing. I just think it sucks. And it makes me not want to play this game ever Is again. Is there an option? For... I even told the PR guy. <laughs> Is there an option for, like, to set it so, like, progress continues even if you're playing out of your own game? I, I didn't see that setting. Hmm. It's funny, though. Like, the way the game is set up. So one time I was playing with some people... And then I stopped to, like, be at home base and, like, sell all the old gear and make sure I'm using the best gear. Just do all the stuff that you do when you're at home base in these games. And the people who were playing with went ahead and started playing. So I think they were getting sick of me killing everything. And they were like, well, we're going to go without him and actually have some fun playing this game. And so they went ahead and then I got distracted and started doing something for E3 and came back. And they had gone on and accomplished all this stuff, and I got all the rewards for it. Mm. There was a whole like five screens of of me having to hit the X button to for all the stuff that they did that I had no part of. <laughs> I was back in the hub. They went out and completed missions, and I got credit for all of it. Like there's to me, there's this stuff needs to be fixed. Like there's no, well, it makes so, like, no sense. Well, that's so like you don't miss out on things if everybody else is like running ahead and like doing stuff without you. I wasn't even in the dungeon with them. I was back in the hub world, what you're seeing right now, which mm -hmm. is like where you get like, you talk to people and they give you quests and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's a little weird, but it, it, it's it's better than, I guess, miss, having you miss out on things because people were jerks. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I think the genre is just kind of caught in this weird place where people want to play it cooperatively, but they haven't figured out a way yet to make it work where the right people are getting rewarded for the right stuff, but it doesn't sound that complicated to me. Like, well, the, the, you know the, how much damage each each player takes well, the out of The conventional wisdom is that everybody gets the same rewards because... You're a team. You're a team and you don't want to, like, you know... You know but that's you not are, the case. If you well, are... Only one person out of the four gets the reward. What do you mean? Which is progression through the game. Well, but loot is the reward. I mean, I guess it depends on your perspective. Uh, if you're playing a loot game, loot is the reward. I this mean, isn't a loot game. This is an action RPG. It is a loot game. It's a Diablo clone. Like you're you're picking up stuff and getting better equipment. I mean, you so do you, can, you do that in every game. So you can take the yeah, but that's what these games are. You take on the next difficulty. People play these over and over and over and over. I would and never over. do that. I mean, I would never. Do I mean, that. the whole point of the latter seasons in Diablo three is like you just play the game over and over again and and see how you know. And that's the point. No thanks. Like that's what these <laughs> that's what these games are. That's what people who play these games like regularly. That's what they do. Is they you know they play. That's what they like. It's like how many times have you played through the game? Like, like that's the whole point. Like to get to the highest difficulty level by working your way through the difficulty levels, leveling up and taking that character through to the top. Like that's the idea. Not my idea, fun. That's for sure. Well, they they're not like giant, you know, juggernauts for a reason. I mean, yeah, they're 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 a, they're a niche genre. Uh, but here's so here's the thing. I don't want to like completely talk bad about this game because I liked it. 
And in fact, if I wouldn't have lost my progress, I absolutely would have went back and finished this game off. Um, I probably played it for 12 or 13 hours, something like that. And based upon what I could tell from the achievements and in-game, it looked like I had maybe two or three hours left to finish the game. It's very frustrating to play that far and get nothing for it. And have to play another 12 hours to get back to that point. I mean, you can understand my frustration, right? Yeah. And so I, I won't go back and play it. But now that I've armed you, you with could, this knowledge... You could probably get through it pretty fast, though. Yeah, I mean, I one-hit everything. Like, I literally can just walk through the game now, but that's not fun. It's still going to take five or six hours. Do I want to do that for five or six hours? Hell no. Especially right before E3. There's no way in hell I'm doing that. But uh, I still enjoyed it and had a lot of fun playing the game. It's really not much worse than Diablo. I mean... Its quality is pretty up there, but the problem is it's a full-priced game. It is $60 on all platforms. And to that, I say, hell no. I mean, if you haven't played Diablo, the latest Diablo, you can probably get that for like 20 bucks now. And while it I isn't... 30 Is it 30 But it goes on sale pretty often. Yeah. And while it isn't like leaps and bounds better than this game, it probably is a little bit better, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper. Mm. So, Or you could buy Titan Quest. Right. Which... Uh, is really good, made by some maybe Iron Lore, and added a new frickin' expansion a couple months ago out of nowhere. Yeah, out of nowhere. Uh, and is just so long. Like, it never, it goes on forever, <laughs> and it has a much more interesting class system than most of these games do. Um, and it's definitely cheaper than 60 bucks. Yeah. So this is full-priced on all platforms. Um, the only platform it isn't coming out for, or hasn't come out for, is Switch. And in fact, the release, it just released today. It just came out mm. today. Um, but it is available for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Um, what would I buy this at? Like 30 or 40 bucks, probably. I'd feel comfortable. Mm. Um, it is online co-op. The, once they've had the network issue fish, fixed, and I'll say, you know, the network issue was before the game launched, so it's hard to hold them too accountable for it. Once they fix that, like matchmaking just happens like in the blink of an eye. So it's very user-friendly. Um, there is tons of loot. It is one of those games where you get a new helm and it's like point or 1.8% better than the helmet you had before. So you're constantly juggling inventory, selling stuff, getting rid of it. Uh, there's an interface where you can just give stuff away to this one merchant and then he gives you rewards for just giving him stuff. And that's mm. what I've ended up doing, just giving away all my gear to him. There's achievements tied into it as well. Um, it's a quality game. Like it, it, the story stuff is pretty weak, and you, you can tell it's from a, a smaller indie studio. Uh, but the quality is there. It plays really well. It feels good. Like you know, these games typically have come from PC, where you play with a mouse and a keyboard. Um, I think Blizzard kind of already beat this already with Diablo. Yeah, but I think Diablo three plays better with a controller. I think it does, and I think this game might play better with a controller too. It plays great. Um, so I had a lot of fun with this while it lasted, but it was only about 12 or 15 hours. If you are like someone who played the living crap out of Diablo and you're looking for the next thing, I think this is a pretty good option, actually, if you're done with Diablo. Unless you haven't played Titan Quest yet, in okay. which case play that instead. All right. Fair. That's fair. Um, but anyway, Warhammer Chaos Bane, it's hard to recommend for anyone to buy right now. I have a feeling in three or four months it'll drop down to that $30 or $40 yeah. mark. And but in three or four months, we're going to be in the heat of it. Yep. It's going to be a hard so. maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe on a Christmas sale or something. When you... Or it ends up as like a PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live, True. free games with gold game at the end of the year. And in that case, everybody should play it. It's, it is fun. 
Um, and there's voice chat and everything. It all works great. Um, so it's, I think the problem is it's just Me Too, but it's not priced like a Me Too. Mm. So there you go. Warhammer Chaos, babe. Let's move along. We're going to talk next about Bethesda. I cracked a joke at the expense of Activision Blizzard earlier, but Bethesda isn't, isn't looking all that much better for E3 2019. Um, right now, it basically has three three games, and one of them we don't know exactly for sure what it is. Uh, so really, just two confirmed. Mm -hmm. Doom Eternal, obviously, is its big game at the show. Uh, Doom Eternal is a big game at the show, period. I don't know if you saw some of the photos, but it has one of the big yeah. skyscraper graphics. I think it's the fig. Is it? I yeah. think so, yeah. Which is like a thing every year. Like, who got the fig? Who got the fig? And it looks like uh, Bethesda chucked out the cash, yeah, which you is never, not You never know. One year, I remember I remember we were like standing there like over the course of like a day as they started slowly painting it on. We're like, what is that? I don't know. It's like... It's like an RPG. It was Gwent. Yeah. Gwent. You never know who's going to put up you the never money. never know. CD Projekt Red has a lot of cash, man. True. They can afford that stuff. Uh, that, that was like, I think that was the year after Witcher 3 came out. So, yeah, they, yeah. Were, they were sitting, riding high. Yeah, they still are. I mean, they, they still have a ton of money in the bank. Um, so, Doom Eternal is Blizzard, or Blizzard, is Bethesda's big game at E3 2019. And I think if you try to figure out what else is in this lineup, you understand why they paid for that banner because they're not yeah. going to have to pay for much of anything else. Also, like Doom is kind of the one, like the one thing in their whole lineup that everybody can agree on. No, you're right. It's like everybody likes. Everybody Doom. likes it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think I met a single person that did not like the reboot. Yeah. Some people may say, "Oh, I didn't like it as much as so and so," yeah, but I everybody liked it because it. it just got you know, repetitive. But yeah. it's like everybody loves. Kind of the base gameplay. The circle strafe, gory gameplay of Doom. Like doing the finishers on things. Yeah. Like it's, yep. yeah, it's fun. It is fun. The pace of it. Yep. Um, I don't know if they can show really. Oh, the multiplayer, I guess they can show at E3. Yeah. What I was going to say is I don't know if they can show anything at E3 that will move the needle on the game, but they can. They can show multiplayer that people care about. Because remember the last time in the end, multiplayer was handled out of house. Yeah, that didn't turn out too well. And it, it wasn't... Terrible. It just wasn't memorable. I'm just like, I feel like I can get this in any shooter. Mm -hmm. So hopefully they're going to cater to the Doom aesthetic a little bit more for the multiplayer. And again, it is being done in-house, so the chances of that happening are a little better yeah. than they were for the last and game. I assume they'll do, they'll talk, they'll show like that invasion thing. Yeah. And that kind of, I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on here that wasn't in the first one. Well, remember the first one also had that like build your own level stuff. Yeah. That's not yeah. in this one. They took it out. Yeah, I, I have to imagine that that was not a big draw. Oh, it was about as unintuitive as anything can get. I don't know what Bethesda's suddenly like sudden like a fascination with building stuff and mods is, and everything. Like, but, yeah, like, yeah. Not everything needs it. <laughs> You're right. Uh, so Doom Eternal is going to be a big game. Uh, the only other confirmed game from Bethesda that's going to be at E3 is Wolfenstein Youngblood. Mm -hmm. It's a spinoff. Um, you play as the two girls. Are they twins? I don't know if they're twins, but they're. Uh, I mean, you're ba basically, you're looking at like the BJ's daughter, Far Cry right? New Dawn of uh, of uh, Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Yeah, um, the last Wolfenstein did well critically. People who played it really liked it, but commercially, it did not do well. No, which is weird considering Fallout Five or Far Cry Five was the uh, the bestseller. Yeah. It is, because it's kind of similar. It's, yeah, it's Ubi's best-selling game of the generation, and the the spin-off follow-up. I think the sales were something like down 87% yeah. the first week. Yep. Um, so well, I have a feeling this is not going to do especially well either. No, but I mean, I'll play it. 
because I like the Wolfensteins. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I assume they've got some interesting stuff or at least some like crazy stuff to show with this because certainly this, uh, this series is now known for going pretty far over the top in the diesel punk realm. Oh, speaking um, of games, actually, we were talking earlier about uh, violence in games that bothers you. Like, there was a couple scenes in Wolfenstein that made me a little uneasy. Hmm. Um, I think what bothers me the most is when there's blatant disregard for human life. That tends to be my trigger in you know, games. I mean, you are fighting Nazis. Yeah. They're, no, but it's, it, it's kind of one of their things. But the, the scenes I'm talking about, it wasn't hurting the Nazis. It was a couple scenes where the Nazis hurt you. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, they're Nazis. Like, right. That's what they yeah. do. I know. I'm well, I'm well aware, sadly. But it doesn't mean it can't bother you. Oh, yeah. Um, so there were a couple scenes in that game that also kind of made me a little edgy. But... Uh, this is not the type of game that you want to hang your hat on at E3. The only thing that made me edgy about The Last Wolfenstein was how often BJ whispered. <laughs> yeah. You enunciate. Yeah. Your diction must be perfect. I, I enjoyed I can't it. can't hear you, damn I it. thought the default difficulty was maybe a little bit on the hard side. It was kind of challenging. And yeah. uneven. It's like you'd walk yeah, through there were parts of it, and then there'd be a it, yeah. bottleneck where you yeah, just have to fight the same section like over and over. So maybe that's something they can smooth out for the sequel. Also, I created my own bottlenecks because I'd hit a point where I like really because you know you upgrade in that game where yeah. in those games where like you do you do accomplish a thing you do a stupid human trick basically a certain number of times you get and I'd find places where like oh this is a good place to do that and I just do it over and over get myself killed and then respawn and then do uh, it over and over until I got all the upgrades I wanted right right um, so I created my own bottlenecks for the sake of like basically like twinking myself interesting so, uh, whatever it takes whatever yeah, whatever it takes <laughs> And then the final game that we don't really know about, but we kind of know about, is The Evil Within 3. Mm. So Shinji Mikami went on Twitter, said, hey, I have a game that's going to be announced at E3. It's so, the only franchise he has worked on for yeah, the last, like, 12 years. And there's, again, they keep giving this one a chance. It's early for this. Evil Within 2 wasn't that long ago. I'm kind of surprised that they would already be ready uh, to like show Like a year and a half ago? Was yeah. It? End of 2017? Yep. Yeah. Um, do you like this franchise? I've never played it. Really? I, I did play the last one. I played the first one. There's something about them that just, they just don't click with me. Mm -hmm. And I love Shinji Mikami. I love survival horror games. I don't know what it is about this franchise that just does not trip my trigger. I don't get it. Um... Third time's a charm, maybe. I think another part of it, too, is that I just wish Mikami was doing something else. <laughs> like, I wish yeah. he was making RE games instead. Like, making the new Actually, Resident no, Evil I, games. I did play a little bit of the first one. You know, I know was what, was gonna, what jogged your memory was the lockers. Yeah. I the lockers. <laughs> but I've never played the second one. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't hate it. There are certainly other franchises I dislike a lot more than this one. But, uh... I only like this part because it reminds me of Yakuza. Yeah. But it just, uh... I don't know. It just it just does not do it for me. It seems like a lot of the scares are like cheap jump scares. They're not like the uneasy, yeah. creepy stuff that I, I really like, appreciate. I, I did like the idea of how like the the gameplay or the the kind of the way it was presented changed from like kind of level to level. Like, yeah. I don't think they really pulled that off very well, but I like the idea. It's kind of like that Eternal Darkness right. type thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But um, 
this game is this franchise is not a gigantic seller. It, it has fans. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people who really like this, but it's not a big seller. Like they'll be lucky to sell two or three million copies of this. I mean, that should pretty much be Bethesda's slogan at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's in a really tough spot right now, man. Like. I mean, I think it's inevitable that we see Fallout 76. Like DLC the, like, or like something? A, like a, Them like, trying to do a make good? Like a, yeah, like a big come to Jesus like DLC plan kind of thing. How are they going to fill out an hour's press conference, Matt? Are they going to show Doom Eternal for like 45 ah, minutes? A lot of Doom. <laughs> whole lot of Doom. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to sit and watch this one live. I mean, maybe they have a bunch of surprises. Who knows? I don't know. They might have some they surprises. They kind of have to. They might have to have... You know, Todd come out and sit on a stool and have a have a have a rap session <laughs> with everybody. I mean, yeah. they're kind of starting to do that already with some of the interviews that have come. Yeah, out. Yeah, he just did that interview with IGN where he's like, "Yeah, we screwed up Fallout 76, and we knew it was going to be crappy before we released it." That's not yeah. what you want to hear. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. That's not something that feels good when about a thing you were charging sixty to hundred something bucks with the bags yep. that turned out to be the wrong kind of bag. I mean, those shipped out, by the way, the replacement canvas bags? I don't know. I feel like we were seeing that news If you're story. Bethesda, you also do not want Todd Howard to be the guy delivering that news. Like, yeah. that's something you let, like, like the CEO announce. Or like Pete Hines. Yeah, or like, you don't let Todd Howard say that on camera. To, uh, I just wonder what, because it, feel, it feels like they really were bad. counting on Fallout 76 to sort of fill the gap. Oh, yeah. Between, between last year and, like, whenever the hell they get Starfield out. Yeah. And, like, now they've got nothing. You know, now they got to save this thing or, I mean, or I, what? I don't know. I'm wondering if, like, maybe Fallout 5 isn't something that we see. No, Fallout 5 is, Fallout 5 is not even a twinkle in Todd Howard's eye yet. I, I just, what are they doing? Starfield. They're making Starfield. And it's years Starfield's away. Two, year, two years out. Right, yeah. but what have they been doing all this time? Starfield. It's crazy. Oh, you mean before that? Yeah. I don't know. Developing new stuff or whatever? I don't know. <laughs> all the other stuff other studios handle. Porting Skyrim over and over? <laughs> no, you may be right, actually. And it's worked. I mean, they've been yeah. managed to milk that game for literally almost oh, a billion fair, dollars. Although, to porting Skyrim cannot be a small job. No, no. Especially when you consider the original versions that you're porting from were also a mess. Right. <laughs> like, you like, never know what the hell that yeah. thing's going to do. It's like the source code's yeah. already a disaster, and you're trying to port that over to a new platform. It's a fool's errand, it would seem. So, that's it. That's all we know about Bethesda for E3. So, it could be that Bethesda's press conference is the best of yeah. them all. I mean, they'll probably show... Uh, I mean, I guess they'll show... Uh, They'll do the mobile thing. Well, they'll do elsewhere, because the new, ex the new expansion for Elder Scrolls Online right. came out today. So, I'm yeah. sure they'll push that they'll probably show blades or talk about how blades is doing really well they may not talk about how blades is doing because well, they might at least show some stuff for blades like hey blades is here now remember blades yeah y'all like blades we really blades. thought we did until we played it <laughs> um probably not you can announce a new mobile game maybe like i don't know like fallout card game or yeah stuff. i mean that's what i think is going to happen i think there's going to be a bunch of mobile stuff yeah or they'll say hey we have another expansion coming to fallout shelter or yeah whatever. well i mean that's like one of their cash cows so it is they could use it oh boy you gotta fill the gap between i can't imagine fallout 76 is pulling on the revenue from microtransactions that they were hoping for definitely not so no it sold fine yeah but uh now you gotta now you gotta make the trudge to whenever Starfield comes out. Now you gotta hope that people will buy the next Fallout game. Yeah, 
I mean, I, mean, I feel like the next Fallout like game... Stuff like that could kill a franchise. Next, next Fallout game is so far out that I think that it won't People matter. will forget by then. Well, they'll forget <laughs> in some ways, but also, like, I think if you put out Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six and they're winners, that, that will... You know, people will forgive a lot in the wake of... Because they're all kind of similar things. Yeah. So, uh, I, think, I think you can salvage it, you know, as long as the next two games are good, but you got to get to those next two games. And yep. that's, that's years out. Years. It is. All right, let's move on. We're running out of time. we got to get to Microsoft because Xbox has a ton of stuff to talk about. We're going to preview. It's, it's E3 2019 showing. Would you say this is the most important E3 for Microsoft ever? Uh, I think the most important E3 for Microsoft ever was the introduction of the 360. Okay. Um, because that was kind of your sink or swim moment. Are they? Because we didn't know. I mean, the Xbox was done fine, but we didn't know if like they were ever going to be able to do anything of interest. And suddenly you had. I mean, yes, Jay Allard's sport coat slash hoodie combination was a little <laughs> questionable, and I didn't quite know what to think when he sat down on the stage and started chatting. Yeah. But um, <laughs> and we never did get to see Velocity Girl sell that T-shirt. Yeah. But. The fact that a console manufacturer was up on that stage talking about all these crazy, robust online service plans that, like, Nintendo and Sony seemed to, like, actively want to sort of avoid at, the, at that point. Yeah. You know, Sony had just been dragged kicking and screaming into putting a modem on the PS2 with Final Fantasy XI. Um, like, the fact that you could see that Microsoft was about to basically force the console world into the online age was a very exciting time. This is more can and you could see like oh like they're gonna be okay because they found a reason to be, you know like the other two are gonna have to play catch up if this is a thing that the audience wants and the audience wanted it. Yeah, this is more. Maybe this is Microsoft's most important E three for themselves in the sense that now we find out if they're gonna be able to compete again. Yeah, because they've been distant third for you know at least since the Switch released. Yep. Um, that's been two years. And uh, <laughs> that's a long time. You know, but I but I've always said Microsoft is at their most interesting when they have nothing to lose. Yeah, most companies are, I think. Yeah, but like Microsoft comes up with some good shit when that happens. Sometimes it's stuff that doesn't happen. Velocity Girls T-shirt. Um, <laughs> but like, you remember that? You remember that? Like when they're yeah, like, oh, you'll be able to design stuff and yeah. sell. I'm like, can you even imagine? I mean, you couldn't. Bethesda, can you get the mod store to work? I mean, you imagine yeah. like the rights involved <laughs> in someone designing their own T-shirt for a digital character, and then like whether that would be downloadable later if you paid real money yeah. for it on a next system. And like, if you use like no, a like, copyright right written logo, all that stuff. Like I assume that what killed that was finally just the entire legal team bleeding out of their eyes <laughs> on, on the on the meeting room table until everyone. And said, "Okay, fine, we won't do it." But um, but it was an ambitious idea, and I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think we're gonna see some doors blown off on this one, at the very least, in the sense of them saying, "Like, hey, next gen's coming. Even if we don't show you the new system, we want you to know that we know that you know that we have to do better." <laughs> no, you're right, and I think it was just announced that they undoubtedly are gonna do better this year. Uh, 14 for new first party games to be or 14 first party games to be shown at E3 by Microsoft. Mm -hmm. That's pretty amazing. That's a lot. That seems like a lot, but then you start like That's looking... like 3 years of output for them at yeah. this point. That's it, it's insane. So we already know 343 the coalition, they handle mm -hmm. Halo and Gears of War respectively. 
But now listen to the, the rest of Microsoft's first party roster. It's pretty freaking amazing. Playground games. They do the Forza Horizon franchise. Mm-hmm. Rumored to be working on the new on a new fable. Ninja Theory, Undead Labs, Compulsion Games, the new studio called The Initiative that they just formed, Obsidian, and In Exile. Those are all first-party Microsoft developers now. Mm. That is insane. That's a lot of stuff. That is huge. Like, that's them going from basically just having Forza Gears in Halo to... I mean, it's like going from zero to a thousand, like overnight. Yeah, well, or going from zero to back where they were at the end of the Xbox 360 era, but before they screwed I mean, it all up. I mean, this goes far beyond that. They had a pretty big and and deep second party stable. Like they had at the Lionhead end of that generation. and Undead Labs was there still back then. Yeah, they had that. They had, uh, they had Turtle. Did they have Turtle Rock or that was that was Valve took them. Yeah. Um, they also just had partnerships with a bunch of different publishers. Well, they were the leaders, so they were yeah. able to sign big third-party Yeah, deals but and... like they, they had a robust second-party thing going on that wasn't just Gears and Halo. And, uh, I mean, at the time it was second-party because Epic wasn't, was the one making them, right. and then they bought the IP, and that's, that's a different thing now. But still got Rod Ferguson at the helm, yeah. so that's, that's the do. important part. Um, I just, you know, I felt like as they, as they transitioned and... and uh, it was Matrix, right, that made the real transition to the Xbox One being the set-top box thing. They just left the idea of exclusive game content being the driver of why you wanted this system in the dust. Something everybody knew. Of course. <laughs> Except them, for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's like, everyone knows it's the game, stupid. Without the games, nothing else matters. Yep. It's what people buy gaming consoles for. It was like watching... It's the similar. I, I got a similar feeling from that era of Xbox that I do from like watching Warner Brothers struggle to adapt DC stuff into right. movies. You're like, why don't you just ask the people who write the comics to make you a thing yeah. that's good yeah. to to start from, to, you know, like a basis for you. Yeah. And you know, the reaction's like, well, they're they're comic people, so you get the feeling there's a there's a, there's a faction. There was a you, faction. You realize that's where all these characters yeah. came right. from. Right. You get the feeling there's a faction at, my, at Microsoft at that time that was going like. Well, I mean, they're game people. Right. Like we're trying to make, you know, art. The Xbox, the the, yeah. the set top box, right. the entertainment hub of the living room. It's like TV. You TV, know what? Just TV. yeah, great. I can I can I can yell it. I can accidentally say something that sounds like Xbox, and it will rewind their football game in the middle of the big play. Good work. Yeah. Um, which I actually saw happen the first <laughs> week the Xbox One was out at a friend's house. Oh my God! I thought he was gonna die. <laughs> uh, let's start getting through some of this because we have a lot to talk about. Pre E3 announcements, um, game Xbox Game Pass coming to PC, Xbox games playable on PC. Mm-hmm. That's all stuff that's been floating out there for Xbox a while. Xbox games purchasable on Steam. Yeah, like they're they they don't care. Like yeah, I mean they really at this point they almost have become platform agnostic. Yeah, they like, want you in that Windows uh, environment. They don't care how you get there. Yeah, and as long as you're buying is, their games, which is good. I mean, I I, prefer, I mean that's a, well, I don't know if it's good for their bottom line, but it's more consumer friendly than anything else anybody else is doing. Well, Microsoft has figured out that the profit margins are in software and not in hardware, mm-hmm. uh, and something that most people should figure out very quickly. But for somehow Nintendo manages to keep making money on its hardware. Only Nintendo can get away with that, I think. Um, let's start talking about the games. Gears 5. Well, yeah, this is probably going to be a big centerpiece. This comes is, out this year. Gears so. 5 is uh, my dark horse candidate for game of the show. Hmm. 
That would be quite an improvement from Gears 4. Right. I will say That's why that. I'm saying it's a dark horse. But look, with, with Gears 4, they proved that they can make a good Gears game. Brand new studio, working on the franchise for the first time. Yeah. With Rod, obviously, but... But certainly it was a better Gears game than Halo 4 was a Halo game. Absolutely. And a better Gears game than Halo 5 was yes. a Halo game. And so when you start from there, and you start building out from that, and we are, so we already know they're talented, I think there's an opportunity for this game to be something special. Uh, it's, it it kind of depends how much is shown of Cyberpunk 2077. All oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Like I said, that's just me, the CD Projekt fanboy. But like, well, you don't have to be a CD Projekt fanboy to to believe that. I mean, that's why I said Dark Horse. Yeah. <laughs> I think this game could is going to surprise people at E3 in general. I think it's going to be a pleasant surprise for most people. It's apparently an open world game now, which is weird for hmm. years. Um, those rumors have been floating around for the last couple of weeks, well, especially since like similar rumors float around Halo Infinite. Right. Like, this is just how things are now. It just seems like that's just the way every game is going to be. Because if you're trying to make a game that can keep generating revenue for mm -hmm. the next two or three years, they kind of have to be open world. you got to build a world around it because that's the easiest thing to expand. It is, absolutely. So, And it's almost like, I feel like there's, there's, a, there's a sort of a, there's a contempt for levels now. There is. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, there's a load, and then I'm in this thing, and then it ends, and I get zapped out of it? Like, Well, how that? did I get here? I don't, I don't, need, I don't right. know where I am now. Yeah, how did I travel here? <laughs> you lost me. Turn it off. <laughs> it is funny. Uh, next up, Halo Infinite. Is there a game that means more at this E3 to Microsoft than Halo Infinite? Um, long term, probably not. Yeah. This game has like, to this hit is, and hit big at E3. Like, this is, this is your... This is your launch. I, I assume your launch system seller. Like this is this the is thing, your eight hundred pound gorilla. Like this is the thing that like is inextricable from the success, the early success of the next system. I mean, great first step, making Master Chief the focal point of the story. Yeah. Again, I don't know why anyone would have to tell them this. It's Chief, Master Chief, is why people like Halo. Maybe the game should focus on Chief. I, I don't know. It seems like a no-brainer to me. But they're getting it right this time. Um, instead of having some cameo or bit part, the game is focused on him. Yeah, hopefully fewer levels where you that, where you stand around in a camp and talk to people for 10 minutes. Yeah, or where you fight everything and that push then, a button. That then are counted as levels. Come on. Yeah. I am hoping I don't have to push any buttons in this game. <laughs> None. I don't want any. Um I think the approach that they've taken with showing the game so far has been smart. I think it makes it look like a completely different franchise. Who care? Who cares about like wild caribou? Who ever cared about caribou in Halo, and wild animals and wild beasts running in herds? Like, just what they did, they chose to show for the first time with this game to me is very telling. So I think people should should be prepared for this to be very different from what they're used to with Halo. Mm -hmm. And I hope that people are willing to accept that. And also the fact that they're showing kind of these rings and they're calling it Infinite, which has right. a history in the Bungie pedigree. I know they're not Bungie anymore, but there are people there who are from Bungie in yeah. the old days. Because Marathon Infinity was one of the craziest time loop travel, multiple dimension, alternate timeline things I've ever played. And if they're kind of going somewhere like that with this... It could be a mind-bendingly crazy thing. It could um, almost 
no pun intended, infinite possibility, <laughs> which I'm prob I'm pretty sure is why they named it that. I am really, really excited to check this game out. Like really, really excited. I, I mean, I am hoping that like they, they that this is the game that makes me love Halo again. Yeah. Because I it's it's just a non-entity in my mind and has been for this whole generation. I still like it, but I have completely fallen out of love with it. Right. And. Right. I agree with you a thousand percent. I hope that this is the game that rekindles that love affair. Because mm -hmm. I used to love Halo. Yeah. Halo 3, God level, God tier. Bring um, back Marty O'Donnell. I think that might be in the cards. Bring back Marty O'Donnell, you cowards. I think that might happen. Because he doesn't have a beef with 343. No, yeah. He has the beef with, with Bungie. Bungie. Yeah. But like, I mean, I, there was probably a conflict of interest there when he was working for right. Bungie. Not but anymore. Like, no, bring it, because that man is the soul of this of this series. I like, have his, a feeling. His music is what makes this series what it is. So. I have a feeling that that will be like a big reveal. Good. I think that maybe there's an orchestra there, and then he comes out and conducts there. Something, I think, there's going to be some kind of cool thing around it, I believe. Yeah. And we will all rejoice. That would, that would give me a whole lot of hope yep. for this. Uh, next up, Battletoads. Another oh, game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another game that was debuted at E3 last year, and we have seen nothing since. Also, I, I should remind you that this trailer says coming in 2019. Oh, yeah, it does. So is that still happening? May, I mean, we don't. Well, honestly, the, their release schedule for the second half of this year is op wide open. There's nothing. It except has for nothing gears. announced. Yeah, except well, gears. I mean, we, isn't even we assume gears is because right. of leaks. But yeah, that's like, just an yeah. assumption, though. Like, there's nothing announced for the second half of 2019. Uh, obviously, this teaser trailer doesn't show much of anything. It's just a bunch no. of little graphics and goofy whatevers. But I'm very curious what the art style will be. Me too. I mean, will it be like the battle toes, how they appear in like Killer Instinct, like that weird kind of like amphibious, yeah, the, the creepy, uh... yeah. I don't know because like the stuff <laughs> or will it be cartoony? Oh, 4K hand drawn 2.5 D graphics. Okay, so it's so going to be cartoony. Like it'll, the it'll be yeah, it'll it'll be uh, comic booky. Which also makes me think that it's really well, kind actually, of like an indie game. It says, it says we'll return in 2019. That could just mean we're going to show it to you in 2019. That's true. Well, but at the time, even when I saw it the other day, I was like, oh, meaning like. The, the franchise is returning in 2019, but... Well, right. I, don't, I don't think it's entirely unlikely that this could be, like, a, a September-October release or something. I think this is going to be, like, uh, the latest No More Heroes. Yeah, Where I when you first that. hear about it, you're like, oh, my God, is it... And then you realize it's just, like, this little, like, indie spinoff right. thing. Well, I mean, that's kind of all it needs to be yeah. in a lot of ways. I mean, it's like, what do you want? Like, Devil May Cry 5, but with Battletoads? Like, that's not, that's not in the cards. I think that sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, it's not in the cards. And Rare isn't developing it either. They've put some, like, B-team on it to develop it. So I, I would not get my hopes up too high about the next Battletoads. Uh, Gears Pop. Does anyone care about that? I mean, Funko collectors, I guess. Yeah. Which they're still out there. Yeah. Keeping Are games, they? Keeping GameStop alive. It feels like that whole thing is kind of passed over at this point. I mean, there's still a thing. I don't like, see people just... talking about Funko stuff. And, like... I never saw people talking about Funko stuff, but I try not to associate with those people. Well, we used to we curate articles about new Funko figurines on Sifted, mm -hmm. and when Sifted first launched, those stories would get a good bit of traffic and like mm -hmm. comments. Now, yeah, it's I mean, I don't, I don't think this is a very uh, useful draw at yeah. this point. I mean, it's I mean, it's a draw in the sense that it's so weird that like that it even exists. I yeah. guess. 
that doesn't mean anybody's going to actually open their wallet for it. Right. Um, I don't know. The Funko Pop thing is so... It's so oddly ubiquitous. Like, I've got, like, six or seven in the house, and I don't know why. Like, I, never, <laughs> I don't know. I've any. never bought one, but they show up in those, like, those loot crate things or yeah. in, like, little gift bag things. Like, yeah. like, whatever. And it's just like, and, like, you start to you find, like, where is it? Why do I, <laughs> why, where did I get an invisible Bilbo from? <laughs> yeah. And why can I see it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then Fun next... Co- I turn into smog. It's like, what? Funko! <laughs> I can smell you. Like... Uh, next is a game that I think people may have forgotten about, but I think actually could make a splash at the show, and that is Gears Tactics. Oh, yeah. It's an XCOM game set in the Gears universe. Again, right. another game that was announced at E3 last year, and we have not seen since. Yeah. And even at E3 last year, it was we have like 19 seconds of footage, and that's all there is. Um... That's all there is out there, period. 19 seconds of this game. My guess is we see a big gameplay demo of it on stage. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this as a kind of a, an alternate direction for Gears. I think this makes sense. It makes too much sense. It's yeah. great. And I love how they brought, like, the gore and the viscera into it. It's awesome. It's like an M-rated XCOM, although I think XCOM might X-com be X-com is M-rated, M-rated. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Definitely a lot grittier and, and gorier. And I think it makes sense in the universe. It's not a stretch to make this yeah. happen. It's less of a stretch than an RTS Halo yeah. game. And there's there's like there's merit in sort of showing the kind of the more like you know line of duty sort of battles right. in, in this universe yeah. like as opposed to sort of the You're always the cogs, the stars. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the crazy special forces stuff right. that the cogs do running down the gullets of giant worms and shit. Yeah. It's a giant worm. <laughs> Control, this is this is Delta reporting, I don't know. That's pretty good, man. You do a pretty good impersonation. Uh, don't tell John DiMaggio to kill me to keep his job. <laughs> um, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. We have got, we've got slight updates about that across the last year. Yeah, I mean, it's I really it's need this prob- game to come out. I know it's on your fantasy team. <laughs> I really need this game to come out. It's probably coming. I did run into someone who is related to the project, and he seemed positive good so i thought you're gonna say something else so um he seemed i mean he seemed positive about the quality of the game oh not that it was coming out this year yeah i i I didn't didn't get a hint on that i'm really starting to sweat it now i never dreamed we have to wait till e3 to even find out if it was coming out this year i thought for sure by now they would have given it i I said when you picked it i think this one's risky it's starting to look dicey i think it'll i think you'll see it i think it'll make it but you know like you never know it could be like a january thing like it could see no 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 no. but i i what i meant was i think uh i am very confident that this will be as good as the first one if not better yeah if it comes out i'm gonna i think i'll be really happy with it where i drafted it and the score that it gets but thing has to come out um age of empires four Forget, uh, people forget that this was shown that's at the press thing. conference yeah. last year. I think that's it's kind of part of its. Uh, Who's making this? this creative is... Assembly. Oh, it's Creative Assembly. Yeah. Okay. I think it's part of this is kind of the Trojan horse between the whole Xbox Ha-ha. and PC. <laughs> you like that? Between it. the whole Xbox and PC sort of crossover convergence mm-hmm. thing that's going on, this is kind of a game that can kind of get both audiences excited yeah, about it. it's definitely a PC game. Right. Trying to make the other, the leap the other direction. Exactly, yeah. Because all the stories have been about, really, all these Xbox games? You can play them on PC? Well, it's good to see it kind of go the other direction for once. Yeah. Although, it'll be interesting trying to play this with a controller. Try, yeah, trying to crack the, the RTS thing. I mean, I, I feel like Battle for Middle-Earth 2 pulled it off pretty well on uh, Xbox 360. 
Um, it's no substitute for just playing with a mouse and keyboard, but uh, it's doable. I, will, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and then another thing I think is going to be a big topic there is Project X Cloud. Obviously, Microsoft signed the big deal with Sony and Nintendo to provide cloud services to them, but who talks about it at E3? Well, if they're going to talk, I, mean, I would not be surprised if they didn't talk about it at all because um, they want to do the hype thing. They want to stop for a tech demo. How but, rewarding uh, is it for Microsoft to stand on stage, though, and say, hey, we signed a deal with Sony and Nintendo for them to use our technology? Yeah. It's a pretty big deal. More, it's more of a big deal for the shareholder call. Yeah. But, uh, we'll see. I, I'd be a little surprised if they mentioned this. Um, yes, cause, E3 cause really, really is the place to talk about no, clouds. Like, this is a GDC d yeah. discussion. And also, like, uh, I feel like you're not going to be able to give enough specifics to make it worth talking about yet. Yeah. So. I think they'll mention it. It's too... It's too... I'd be like a one-off sort of way. And, of course, the Project X Cloud, yeah. which we have made deal with. Da, 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 yeah, da, da. Exactly. Yeah. Next up, please welcome... You know, right. It'd be like a quick... But it's hard to toss. not mention that Sony and Nintendo had to come to you. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be tempting to throw in like a weird little thing. It's like, Sony's sort of here this year right. with us. Like, right. And like, you, yeah. right, because you also remember what Sony did to Microsoft. Right. With, this is how you share games on PlayStation yeah. 4. I don't think anybody would blame Microsoft for taking a little dig. I wouldn't. Yeah. Like, like, an like, eye for an eye. Like, here, you put the Sony logo up for your partners and be like, here's the one time you'll see that logo this week. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or just having the PlayStation logo on the screen on your stage at E3. That's a big freaking deal. That's fun. Even if they just have to flash it up for I, two seconds. I don't think they'll do that just because they, they have to continue working with these yeah, people. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> it's nice to dream. It is. I mean, I don't know. Sony did it to Microsoft, and they're working together, so... That was years ago. Also, Sony had the position of power. It did... Well, it had... The power had just been transferred, right. like, three hours earlier. Yeah, but it counts. <laughs> it does. The power had been transferred. That's absolutely true. Um, the Outer Worlds, it's a multi-platform game, mm -hmm. but it's... Because it's it was in development before they got bought. Right. But I still think that, like, Outer Worlds will be shown on Microsoft stage. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, where else are well, they going to show it? Well, who else is going to show yeah, it? Yeah, nobody. There's no one else to show it. It's crazy. E3 2019, crazy town. Um, and this, I think, will be a, a pleasant uh, reminder to Xbox fans that, yeah, this game is multi-platform, but these guys are making games only for us going forward. Yeah, Obsidian is a crazy good get, and, I mean, at least, you uh, you know, I, I understand the, the desire to want to want uh, Obsidian to remain independent, but it's like, if the choice is, you know, Obsidian becomes part of Microsoft or Obsidian goes away, I'll take Microsoft. It's also better because if it, they're with Microsoft, you're getting it on two platforms. You're getting mm -hmm. it on Xbox and, and PC. PC. So at least you have two options to try to buy the game still, whereas if they went with yeah. Nintendo or Sony, that would not be the case. You'd yeah. be stuck with a console and that's it. I so. mean, I, I do like these guys. I think, obviously, they are... Um, they have kind of lost a little verve with the departure of Chris Avalon, who is apparently never going to work with them ever again. No, yeah, he um, hates them. And he was sort of the heart and soul of their their the reason their narrative was so good. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, where's Dying Light Two? Um, there is some stuff swirling about that this week too. Actually. Yeah. I mean, that's that. I, my eye is on Dying Light Two almost exclusively because he's writing it. Right. Um, but he didn't he go on that project pretty late. Yeah, but he 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 can elevate. So, I mean, he's also working on Jedi Fallen Order. Right. Like the man can elevate material. Yeah, for sure. 
He can punch it up. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see the Outer Worlds. They'll probably show a gameplay demo. Is this this year? Do they say it anything? It is, yeah. yeah. And they they have actually shown a good bit of gameplay of this already. There's yeah, about 30 I'm interested. It's, it's, this is this is like, it's not kind of a... It's the, a new Fallout. It's not the French space opera stuff, but it, it, it does have sort of this kind of batshit weird and it like element and it pops it pops with color oh, and yeah. it's, it's I, I like it i, I like mean it. it just looks like fallout to me to be perfectly honest and i'm okay with that because if we can have two studios making new fallout mm. games well that means we'll get one every three years or so i, mean, I see the pedigree but i don't quite think of it as i mean it looks kind of i guess like fallout and borderlands had a baby yeah but but it's obsidian so they're gonna do some weird like narrative choice yeah. making it's gonna, sure. it's gonna be solid this guy i, I have faith well, i'm excited for it absolutely and then two le- two things left to talk about with Microsoft. HoloLens 2. Think they're going to show it? No. It makes for an impressive stage demo, and it showed it the HoloLens 1 for like 20 minutes last time. If you, if you lie about it, yes, it's an impressive demo. <laughs> but then you, under, then well, you, you put it on. Well, you don't think that Minecraft demo is legit? No, then you put it on, and you realize how narrow the, the field of view is. Yeah. I think, I think the HoloLens 2 is bigger, but it's still like not even half your field of view well the one thing i would say about it is that microsoft doesn't even seem to be feigning that it's for consumers no, this time not at all like right as soon as it announced it it said it's for industrial applications we're selling these to large corporations yeah, this is, this is, i think hololens you're going to mostly see that it's stuff like dice and gdc from now on yeah yeah which is a shame because it is really cool tech it's cool but it's it's the the journey from that to consumer tech is just you're, it's gonna it's be a wild. magical leap. Ugh. <laughs> Talk about a doomed company. I didn't even see them on the vendors list for E3. No, magical you're right. Leap. I didn't. I didn't see that. Yep, that's not good. And Ocu- then finally, Oculus still got its booth. Yeah, it does. And then finally, and we've talked about this before, so we won't talk about it much. Xbox Two or whatever the next Xbox is. Mm-hmm. You're still digging in, saying they're not going to show anything. Not a chance in hell. Okay. I and mean, Packers they might. Me- I may mention it, uh, and they might like kind of drop a little hint about like, and next year you'll see our new thing. But they are, you are not going to see anything. And maybe we'll see something about like no a, specs. No specs. I don't think. I think you might see like a, a here's an example of like what Gears Five will look like on. This or like, like so they show like an 8K version yeah. of Gears running yeah. or something, and they're like, "This is what it's gonna look like." Yeah, like that at most. That's what they're gonna do because they don't need to show it. This it doesn't do you any good to show it now. It's 18 months out. It's not, you know, that's, unless that's, it's not 18 months out. It is. It's it's next year. It's next fall. There's no way. Why do you say that? Because it doesn't do them any good to come out before no, PlayStation Five. I don't think so. Why? Because why would it? Because you're having people buy it, have the opportunity to buy your console before they even have the opportunity to buy a PlayStation Five. Yeah, but they they don't. I don't think that's the strategy. I think they want you to buy it because it's more powerful and it's got Halo on it, and they can they feel you can compete toe to toe that fall, unless you think Halo Infinite is going to be done by March. I mean, it should be. <laughs> to be know. perfectly honest, I don't think it will be, but it, it should be. If it was, I don't think they'd be doing this slow rollout of all the uh, Master Chief Collection stuff. And oh yeah, reach yeah. And I, I don't think it it's going to come out in March. I just think it should be. They've been working on it for so long; it should be pretty much done at this point. Mm, I think they've had to reinvent a whole lot of stuff on that. Which but, is a good. If yeah, that's okay. Oh, absolutely, that happen, is, like, no that's question. exactly what happened. They need to reinvent some but stuff like, on that franchise. Uh, no, it's. it's both both new systems are fall next year at the earliest, and 
we're going to see them blown out next year one way or the other, but it's not like Microsoft does no good to themselves by tipping their hand to Sony this early. I don't even know why Sony tipped their hand this early. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what Cerny, what that thing with Cerny was, what the strategy was there. Maybe just to like kind of make everyone know, you know, Omar's coming, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm still going to stick to my guns. I, I something about the next Xbox is going to be mentioned on during their press conference at E3. It, mentioned, just, I don't. I don't think it'll be more than that one time they sort of dropped the Scorpio reference, and you know, remember that. Like two years before the Xbox One, they finally admitted Project Scorpio was a thing. Yeah. All right, Project Scorpio, you're going to be amazed. Here's the here's the logo. All right, let's move on to the next Gears of War. <laughs> so it was, it was I know. Nothing. I think, I think they'll say something substantive because just saying that it's coming, everybody knows that already. Like, there's going to be something substantive announced about the next Xbox at E3. I just, I just it's like the lower thirst. Opportunity knocks. They're never going to have this chance again to have the whole stage to themselves. And it would be idiotic to not share something about your next gigantic product. I just, I think, just think Microsoft is smarter than that. I just cannot see it completely ignoring it. And granted, 14 first party games, that's a lot if they're mm. really showing all those, which doesn't leave a lot of time to talk about hardware. And I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think at most they say basically, it exists, please be excited. And that's it. They, they square Enix it. I, I'm counting on it, at the very least, them saying, and it will be X percent more powerful than what Sony just announced for PlayStation 5. To me, it feels even a little early to kind of commit to that. Like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, feel, not, they know what the specs are I feel already. like they know, but there's still room to tweak. And I feel like Microsoft is sort of, is they're, they're, they're crouching tiger right now. They're, they're waiting. They're waiting to see what, what, what they need to compete with. Because their problem last <clears throat> gen was jumping too soon. Yeah. A lot of it depends on how much software they want available for their console at launch. Yeah. And they, they ain't going to talk about the DMC, that's for sure. Yeah. That's <laughs> definitely, definitely the case. But I think or the this DRM, is, rather. Yeah. DMC. I think, <laughs> that's Devil May Cry. Or, DMC, May Cry or Run DMC. But I just think this is too big of an opportunity to pass up. They have just, to make some kind of a noise around it. See, like, that's where I think Pactor and I disagree. Is I don't think it's an opportunity at all because it's too far out. It's so far out from when you would need people to know about it and be excited about it that like it's you're just it, it's uh, it's a fart in the wind. Doesn't matter. Like you got to wait until you know you're in the on the home stretch. You don't put the landing gear down before when you're a hundred miles out. You know, I, I I think at most you're gonna get kind of a a project name or what what is the project name anaconda anaconda yeah i think the uh this, i don't know this because, anaconda don't want none but it's until, weird because until it's next year son you're also talking about uh you know the x cloud stuff which anaconda all ties into as well i don't think they're going to talk about that either outside of like a quick mention if that i think we're going to see i think this press conference is going to be one of those, like, you remember when, when Sony's press conferences suddenly became like, we're just going to show you fucking games. And it's just going to be games and games and games. And occasionally Jack Tretton's going to come out and be like, hey, you like games? Here's a game. You know, like, it's just going to be that. There's no, there's not going to be any, any kind of like business stuff. I don't think there's going to be anything like that. That made sense for Sony in the middle of a generation. It doesn't make mm -hmm. sense now to well, do that. Well, that's the, the, it doesn't the, make the, sense any sense at all to do that. You have... <laughs> The console sense. is basically dead in the water, except for whatever third party well, stuff. Exactly, is you got to get it. people excited about what's coming. Like, you gotta, you gotta, what's you gotta, coming to Xbox Two? Yeah, but you can't talk about that yet. Yeah, that's why. And you know, the the other option is to do with Sony and just not show up. So, I think Microsoft is going to be 
you know, but all this stuff I think you're going to see on the Xbox One. Yeah. Like it's going to just be cross compatible. Sure. So they can talk about it as much as they want, and then maybe you show a thing like, hey, one day, Gears 5 might look like this. But Who maybe knows? that's what they're going to do is they're going to show all these second, first party games that are in development, and every time they're going to say, here it is running on Xbox One. Here it is running on Xbox Two. I don't think they're gonna do it every. Although with one thing, like probably also because remember Gears Four was the thing they used to sort of like push 4K and sort of you yeah. know they had it on that ten that hundred thousand dollar TV in the booth where yeah. like it looked like a moving painting. Well, like, they had like the crazy. Dolby Atmos demo oh, yeah. and all that shit. Yeah, it was cool. That blew my mind actually. It Dolby was, Atmos. It was that's one of the most beautiful displays I'd ever seen. It's unreal, unreal. Um, so that's it. That's Xbox at E3 2019. I will say this before we move on. I feel like whether the next Xbox is or is not shown is the biggest mystery of all of E3. It's a question everybody is wondering. See, I think that's not a mystery at all because I'm really sure I'm right. I'm not wondering. I, that's literally not a thing I'm wondering about at all. My big mystery is what the hell is Bethesda going to talk about for an hour? Is but, that um, your biggest question about E3? Um, from, a, from kind of a planning production standpoint, that would be one of my biggest cr- questions of, like, how would you fill that hour? Um, I don't have a lot of questions about this E3. I feel like this E3 is sort of a, a gimme in huh. some ways. There's, it's not much going on. It's sort of a... It's sort of, except for, like, Nintendo's sort of like, I've got, we've got a packed schedule, and Microsoft's like, hey, we bought a bunch of people. Um, it's sort of like, a, it's, a, it's a down year, and it's partly because Sony's not there, it's partly because EA has literally nothing to show outside of one Star Wars game that's probably two years too late. Yeah. Um, I, I just, there's not, it, it, and it also kind of has this sort of pall hanging over it, over, over like you said, is the, que- the question now becomes like, is E3 even a thing anymore? Um, yeah. So there's sort of, it's, it's a little bit of a funeral dirge playing in the background, and like I think that puts a bit of a damper on it, at least for someone who's been to as many of these things as we have. Yeah. Um, so I'm still really excited. Like, it honestly, I don't know, E3 has a way of coming through every time. Maybe once you get there, I think the, the press conferences sometimes are, uh, really? Especially when you finish with Square. Like, <laughs> yeah. finishing with Square is, is a risky It's not move. exactly a flourish. No. Yeah. I mean, I guess you finish with Nintendo on Tuesday morning. Well, kind of. I mean, it used to be where you did finish with Nintendo, and that yeah. was like the excitement. Everything built up, and then you finally went to Nintendo's press conference. Right, and, and then from there you went to the floor. You went right. to the convention center. That's where the fans were the most rabid, and like that got you into the spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, say what you want about fanboys, but when you're at E3 and you're at one of those press conferences and they're losing their minds, it, it can't help but be a little infectious. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've kind of lost that over the last couple of years, yeah. but, well, but somehow, point, some just... way for me, E3 always delivers. I would say it delivers in the sense that, like, I never regret going because I see all these people I know and friends I like and stuff, but, like, I don't know, like... Um... More and more these days, it's it feels like I'm I'm rarely surprised. Like that was one of the reasons I like Starlink so much was because I was suddenly surprised at how much yeah. I like this game. I never even really gave a second thought to. That's why I'm um, hyped for Death Stranding. It's different, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's something just completely bonkers, off the charts different. Well, I, I wouldn't say Starlink's as bonkers as Death Stranding. But no, like, but I'm just saying yeah. like there's always something like at the show that just reinvigorates my yeah, well, fervor for well, games. Well, the trick there is that Death Stranding is not at the show. Right. So. Yeah, but there. But my point is, there will be something there that does that. There always is, even if it has to be mm-hmm. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven again. <laughs> I'll take it. All right, we got to really get through this last topic, and the good news is it's short. Uh, so we have one last topic for 
tonight's show, and that is just a general roundup of all the crazy E3 rumors and crap that have been flying around over the last week. Uh, first one we're going to talk about is the Avengers Project. It appears mm-hmm. that the game is called Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, they usually call that stuff. That. Yeah. I mean, that's what the movie's called, I mean, it was too. Marvel, Spider-Man, that's Insomniac's game. So yeah. it looks like the final title is going to be Marvel's Avengers. Uh, some details have leaked out about this. It's not good, in my opinion, what I've heard about it so far. It's not bad, but it just kind of I sounds... I feel like it's what we thought it right. was going to be. It's exactly what I hoped it wouldn't be, which is like mm-hmm. a four-player cooperative beat em up pack and slash run you know what was it dread it run from it the destiny clone arrives all the same yeah <laughs> yeah um i'm so i'm a little disappointed to hear that to be perfectly honest but i look it is crystal dynamics hey it's an avengers game it's about fucking time yeah. i don't care i, I don't mean the game's gonna give sell it to me. the game's gonna sell like crazy no matter what yeah give it to me could i get to play as iron man or put on an iron man suit or whatever yeah great done in but it, it really does just sound kind of like ultimate alliance like just a co-op game that you play with three other players and well ultimate alliance 3 is coming out already so it can't just be that yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be i think it's gonna be more of like a third person action adventure you know thing it, it's got it's clearly got a games as a service element because it talks about how the world is constantly expanding which to me means you're always adding dlc grind to play yeah i mean we'll i mean we'll see maybe i'll see it and it's like a third person thing apparently um it maybe it's going to be like a thing where it you, is at the show yeah it's there <laughs> it's like, going to be there well, it's like i said like, you have conference. to show that it has yeah. to come out this year it has to like you cannot miss the year of Endgame to put this thing out there's yeah. no way i mean you've got some some leeway with the guardians game that montreal's working on or idos is Idos Montreal's working on because you don't have to worry about Guardians 3 until the spring of 2021. Right. But um, this thing's got to come out. This you got to get this thing out. Like it's it's been however <laughs> you can't, long. They're going to be striking while the iron's lukewarm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you get on you get in on on you know later <laughs> the in the year when the, when the home and, releases home yeah. releases out and like, but even then you're talking about August September. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. But. Yep. Uh, I know, most most of the time I like what Crystal Dynamics makes. I like yeah. I said earlier they're a great feels, studio. So. Yeah, I just I, I just hope it's like actually lets you play as the characters and it's not some weird like create a shield agent thing right. and like sort of like you know yeah. like, like, or like the DC. Well, stuff, when you start talking DC about Game as a Service and like right. snapping parts on and all that, like DC Universe thing, where like you know you 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 create a, a, a superhero. Like, you can have your Superman's own. cape. Right, you can but... work for Superman and have his powers, but you're not Superman. Yeah. It's like well, no, I agree with that. Like it has, you have to play it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, next up, Watch Dogs. It's not three. It's Watch Dogs Legion. Leaked this week. Mm-hmm. The title also like yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yesterday. The title, and then Jason Schreier jumped in. He's like, oh, yep, that's the title, and I have some more information for you. Uh, so the big thing is you can play as any NPC in mm. the game, which seems pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it it made me think, and this is not a flattering comparison, but it's the only thing I thought of was... Uh, driver san francisco oh yeah where tanner dies <laughs> and you can you, you're like a ghost and you can yeah, possess any yeah. vehicle on the street i'm yeah. like are you really are you doing that it's so it's like, weird like like you're just gonna be like a hacker <laughs> yeah. that can like drive cars remotely i mean you already had that in in um two where yeah. you were like driving you could make the cars go forward i i did that more than anything else in that game was just cause just traffic wrecks yeah. like just i would just ram cars into things and make hope they blew up and uh 
No, I mean, I like the idea, you know, they're talking, the, the description that was on the, the pre-order thing that went up basically said it's a, it's a near-future dystopian London post-Brexit. Um, like, but it's not a political But game. I can't wait to see how Ubisoft says it's not political. <laughs> that would be, be a fun spin moment. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to find out what kind of irritating edgelord dude you play as. Right. Um, I mean, I like Marcus okay, actually. But, like, there was a weird thing with him where, like, and they did address this in DLC later where it's like, Marcus doesn't seem like a person who'd just be gunning down dozens of people on the missions like he like because you you have a non-lethal stuff but you also you had like two non-lethal things and a whole bunch of real guns yeah. and eventually they added like non-lethal options for all the gun types so you didn't have to have Marcus kill people because Marcus didn't seem like a killer um, whereas what's his name from the first one totally was a, yeah was, that, was it Aiden <laughs> no problem or there yeah Aiden um, so like, I don't know. I, I wonder which direction they'll go with this one. Uh, will they, will they do that or do like? A, I mean, I hope it, it's grittier. Like, I don't want this style. I mean, if you're gonna do future again. dystopia in London, you gotta go grittier. Yeah. Right? Um, this, I think this it fe- I mean, the, the the tone of two felt like it belonged in kind of the modern Silicon Valley tech boom, and that was sort yeah. of it. Like that, you, yep. you can't really remove it from this environment. It was just kind of goofy. I thought it was, um, but it kind of worked in the in the sort no, of like. I mean, in the context of the game, it worked great. Yeah, in the context of the setting, it, it functioned. Yeah. I feel like this one's going to be a little darker. Um, I hope. I, I hope because I always love my favorite parts of the game, other, uh, Watch Dogs, other than causing car wrecks with the remote driving thing, um, is I love scanning people and like reading a little info about them and like stealing their money or deciding not to steal their money because right. like i'm like oh they seem like a good person i'm yeah, not gonna take their money <laughs> they donated and, like, to charity i'm not gonna yeah, take their like, money just sort of like walking around like scanning all the npcs and yeah. figuring out like who they are and like what they i hope that they they have found a way to like make that aspect like kind of the the privacy intrusion or the information gathering matter more as opposed well, to sort of like this constant easter eggs well look if you're picking npcs to play as yeah that I guess information it, yeah. becomes paramount now yeah i guess that's true like you maybe that would help decide who you yeah, want who you want to control or whatever yeah. whatever it's but like that kind of stuff was always my favorite thing just especially because of the thought they put into it yeah. like there was this this like you could tell the work the, that went into it. You could tell it. the writers yeah. worked a long time on coming up with interest, like you know, hundreds of interesting little people or, or yeah, background they have to create things. Create people or, out of nothing. Yeah. It's not so, a fun uh, job. So kind of like doubling down on on kind of that living world of strangers, I think, would be a very interesting way to 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 move the series forward. Just because that's always been the most interesting hook of Watch Dogs for me is the privacy intrusion aspect. Yeah, for sure. It's something we deal with in reality, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing we wanted to round up before E3 is here, uh, Square Enix announced a game here in the last 24 hours called Outriders. No information's given whatsoever. Hmm. It's they put up like a 19 second teaser trailer. They're like, we'll show you what it is at our press conference, and that's it. That's all they gave us. All just right. that woman. Uh, so can look forward to that at the Square Enix press conference, but. Is it a press conference? We're sure it's not like another, I think it's like, a pre-recorded whatever. pre-recorded Doesn't thing? even matter, really. I guess not. It doesn't. <laughs> if you're well, not that, there, I mean, last matter. year's was like, woof. It was. Woof. Yeah. It was rough. I remember the first thing you said that after I saw you after that was, like, you are like, I'm glad we didn't go live for that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's it. Uh, that's our on, on Game Face pre-E3 prep for you guys. Uh, like I said, we have more content coming uh, during the week this week. Uh, we have our top 20 most anticipated games still coming this week. We have a final episode of Ask Shane Anything before E3 kicks off. And Vincent is cooking up something special for you guys. It's going to be published this week as well. So 
Lots more pre-E3 pre stuff, but that is it for Game Face. And it is time for our Trailer of the Week. Um, I have a feeling Trailer of the Week is going to be very easy to pick after this week, but this week mm. it was pretty dry. In general, this week was slow. Like, if you look at mm. two weeks ago, more stuff was breaking than there was this week as far as, like, rumors and leaks. Um, this game's a bit of a surprise to me. Because maybe I missed the boat on it or it went over my head. I was not aware that it was a game back in the day that was big enough or did well enough to get a remaster. But Ghostbusters, the game, is being remastered. Let's check it out. Are you troubled by strange noises in the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or your family actually seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Just pick up the phone and call the professional. Call the Ghostbusters. So did I miss the boat on that game? Was it like good? And yeah, I just it was all right. Was it? it was. I, I, I reviewed it. I think I gave it a four. Oh five. wow. Okay. Um, it's. Uh, I mean, it's Ghostbusters three. Okay. Uh, literally, I mean, Aykroyd consult on the story. It's the last performance of Harold Ramis as Egon. Um, they got everybody in. Uh, All the voice cast, yeah, everything. It, yeah. uh, it, it covers it pretty I mean, there's a couple of like clunky parts. There's, you know, it's not like the most stellar gameplay in the world, but it does capture the sort of out of control nature of trying to wrangle the ghosts from the movies. Um, I'm also guessing that song is going to send up a copyright flag on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, it's very likely. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it's good. And, and yeah. it was a shame when it got delisted because the license expired. So I'm, gl I'm glad they're bringing it back. Yeah. Um, I will definitely get it on something one way or the other. Um, if you care about Ghostbusters at all and you didn't play it, you should definitely try it. Also, I don't know what they're doing with the multiplayer, but the co-op multiplayer was actually a lot of fun. Really? Um, there's, a, there's a lot of co-op, like kind of horde mode stuff with it. And like if you're with a good group coordinating with the traps and capturing things, like it, was, it, was really, it was really fun. Wow. Um, Surprised to hear that. It was a solid, it was a solid game. Uh, I think it was was it was it Terminal Reality that made that? Yeah, yeah. That yep. was, they, those, I miss those guys. They they did some good stuff. They did. Uh, before we get to Q and A, I want to say thank you to Polly Nomial for subscribing via Twitch Prime, uh, Danny Boy ninety, and I think that's all I have. Yep, that's all I have in my. I only have like five comments on the mm. whole thing because I'm using the phone I got, app. I got Jay Reed Vic seven. Okay. And Thanks guys. Really really appreciate it. That's all I see right now. Okay. Uh, let's see, do you have any questions? Here's one from Freeze Frame Rate. Thoughts on Rocksteady's new game not coming to E3? Yeah, so this broke literally right before we went on. Mm -hmm. Rocksteady's game is not going to be at E3. Mm -hmm. Games as a service, Suicide Squad games don't get made overnight, folks. I mean, overnight has been like six years. Well, it's been, what, 2015 was Arkham Knight? Four years. So four years, probably six years by the time this thing comes out. I mean, out. you're not ready to show it four years later? What the I, hell? I don't know what's going on. That's a bad sign, people. I mean, there's persistent rumors that, that Montreal has Arkham Crisis in the pipeline, which is 
supposedly based on uh, Court of Owls. Yeah. Um, but whatever Rocksteady's working on, something's up. Warner Brothers got to be getting pissed, man. I mean, holy crap. I don't know. I don't. I. I don't have an. I don't even have a theory on that one. Really they, they were churning them out so for so long. Like it seemed like, like a machine. Know, they, yeah, and now brr, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Um, I cannot read your name because it's like purple on black. But your question is: Do you think Microsoft will make Minecraft Xbox exclusive next gen? That is OCD Master One. Okay. Thanks, OCD Master One. Will Minecraft be exclusive? No. No. Minecraft will be on everything, including your toaster. Yeah, it's too late. It's like the old saying goes, you can't put the uh, toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> like, yeah. Once it's out, it's out. Like You can't like release something like Minecraft for Nintendo and Sony platforms and then decide you're going to pull it back for the next generation. Yeah, I think Microsoft is more interested in, in having Minecraft be a ubiquitous thing yeah. in everyone's life it's just a platform growing up yeah and then all it is. 20 to 30 years from now they will reap the nostalgia bucks they're already hardcore. reaping the bucks they're i mean they've already made their investment oh yeah but i'm saying like some. you're you you're creating sort of a mario cycle here where like kids are growing up with it they're gonna get older they're gonna get nostalgic they're gonna want to play it again when they're older then they're gonna want to introduce their kids to it and it's like it's it just crazy. it just goes on you know it's, it's you, a toy you, yeah. you, you, you companies can go their entire existence without getting a, a property like that and that's why they spent so much money to get it yeah, I think... Um, so it doesn't do them any good to, to lock it away. You want it on... You know, because kids don't have Xboxes. They yeah, have tablets. They do. You want, you want them playing those everything on whatever they got. Anything with a screen. Yeah, that cat's out of the bag. Minecraft is going to be for the people forever. Uh, w. Matthew, we'll take a couple more because we're already kind of running over. Uh, with Sony copying directs, do you think uh, Microsoft follows them? And this ends up being the last big in-person E3 stage conference. Interesting. It is not out of the question, but I feel like both Sony and Microsoft are going to want to do stage presence for their new console reveals. Yeah. And he, he finishes it off by saying, I can't think of any business sense in spending millions to host a stage show anymore. Um, better return on investment to just stream a video. I think I think the the I mean, merit of a media circus around your new hardware is is still a viable thing. But could this be the last time we see an in-person hardware unveiling? Maybe it's possible. It's kind of crazy to think about. Um, like having a you have to separate E3 press conferences from E3. So we say all the time, you know, you you need to be at E3 because you're going to reach all these mainstream publications that normally never cover the industry. That's E3. E3 press conferences are separate from that, but not completely discreet because what most of those people from those main th mainstream publications want to go to is the big event, the Ballyhoo, the press conference, mm -hmm. whatever. Are they, can you trust them to go on the floor and try to find out about the products? Probably not yeah. as much. I mean, you'd have to do your own footwork on that. Yeah. You know, it's not like us like asking for appointments. You'd probably have to contact right cnn and say hey you want to see this this and this yeah and i mean microsoft would do that but would cnn be like yeah, it's starting to sound kind of like a hassle like i don't know probably not i mean way dumber and weirder things get get you know reported on it's true i mean it's a 24-hour news channel 24-hour news cycle LA. it's not like you're asking them to go to like right. europe or anything but they're in europe too so 
But uh, it's, you know, I mean, I think uh, you may hinge very strongly on how Sony feels about how skipping it paid off for them here. Yeah. I don't even know how you quantify that. I think Sony knows. It's for themselves. I'm just wondering what metrics they would use. Probably Death Stranding sales. Yeah. I guess. I mean, you put that out, like, did you lose any eyeballs? Did you lose any sales? Did it meet your expectations sales-wise? If it does, what did you miss? It's hard to know though what it would have done if it had been if they had been at the show. No, it's not. There's a, they know. They, they, there's always projections of what these things are expected to sell. That's how they budget them. So yeah, but projections are projections. They don't always Project, come true. Projections are usually correct in marketing though, uh, unless you really make a misstep. And this could be a real misstep if the projections are way off. But if they're not way off, you didn't. The point is, you didn't lose anything by skipping E3. It did not. It did not boost anything to the point of being what was essential to meeting your projections. And to answer your question, yes, I absolutely think it could be the last big press conference. It also, it, I'm kind of a little sad thinking about it. That, like, I'm like, well, I got to be here and stream. Like, I would like to be at the last big E3 press I think the, conference. And it could be. I think the last, if there is a last big E3 press conference, it will be Microsoft next year. Yeah. They will have a press conference for their new hardware. Sony, maybe not, but I, th I think probably, but maybe not. Yeah. But I, Xbox will do it. I don't think Nintendo will ever do it again. Nintendo will never do it again. Yeah. They don't need to. I don't think we'll ever see another Nintendo press conference. Well, the, the, the rent on, uh, on the Kodak Theater got higher and higher. So. Yeah. Okay, we'll answer one more here. Uh, Super Court on Blue. Just want to say I love the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you, man. We really appreciate it. Um... Can we expect, finally, a legendary reunion at E3 between Shane and Jeff Keighley and a collaboration? <laughs> I think you can expect that to definitely not happen. <laughs> um, well, you, might, you might see him. Maybe. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know what's up with him in, regarding me, in, mm. to be specific. And I'm not going to go into a lot of details here because that's something I need to talk with him about. But there's something weird going on with him. I don't know what it is. Um... Listeved, the last one. Do you think it's better to have next-gen exclusive games or do have next-gen games be able to be played on last-gen also? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I think if it's feasible in terms of scalability, it does not hurt you to put to make them compatible with last-gen, um, especially in terms of how expensive these new systems are going to be and the nature of the economic climate because buckle up for next year, folks. Yeah. Um, all the signs of an economic downturn are in place. Um, but the idea of kind of letting you play these things, but also they're going to be way better if you have this, this new hardware, but not sort of pressuring you to get the new hardware in order to play them, might be the soft approach that you need to kind of make this generational transition work. It's tough. I mean, we've never dealt with this before, really. Yeah, but if you're going to kind of this more like a phone-style model, phones... You know, the, the, the advantage of having something on your new phone is that it runs better. And you we're starting to see, it. though, the consumer turn away from that cycle. True. I mean, Apple's going through it right now. It's a good thing Apple was smart and started transitioning its business yeah. before it started happening. But Apple's also trying to sell you a stand for $1,000. Right. So, like, uh, there's, it all comes down to kind of how much these new systems cost and sort of whether they think it's smarter to kind of force people's hands in order to play these new things or, and will it just be enough to say, like, the games you already have will be better and look better on these new systems? Or will it be better to, like, not freeze out PlayStation 4 owners 
from the next hotness. It's a catch-22. It is. Because you need... I mean, the way they've sold consoles in the past has been, hey, there's this hot new game that you can only play on this new console. Mm-hmm. Now... Is it enough now to just count on the general public's desire to have the next PlayStation? That's the, that's kind of the question you're asking here. Yeah. It's a good question. Good job, yeah. Steve. Um I don't know what the answer is, to be honest with you. I don't get flummoxed very often, but know. this one is tough. Like, I don't I know think, if anybody knows the answer. Yeah, I, I think that's what we're going to find out. It is. It's a wild forward. card. Like, and it makes is, you wonder. This is going to be one of the strangest generational transitions of all time, I think. And it makes you wonder, too, if. Say if things don't take off right away, if then suddenly the stance is changed and mm-hmm. they start going at it and they're like, wait a minute, this game was supposed to also play on PS4 and look a little worse, but you know what? Maybe we just need to make this game just for PlayStation Yeah, I 5. think you will definitely run into that. On some, I mean, some stuff just won't work. I mean, you're going to lose the ray tracing. You're gonna, right. You know, it's, it depends what your target is, you know, but I think uh, even if you, ha- you, you know, it may not be a terrible idea to even if you have to kind of downgrade this the game to run potato on potato settings. Yeah. Uh, to still not freeze out your PlayStation 4 user base. It's a tough balancing act. It's going to be it interesting is. to watch for but sure. I mean, Sony just made a bold move not going to E3. They might make another bold move in that arena again. Yep. So who knows? Yep. And certainly uh, Microsoft could do it if they wanted to because everything uses the same architecture at this point. It's yeah. just a matter of scalability. Yeah, I think all of them can do it. Yeah. It's not a technical problem. And also, you don't have to do it with all of them. Yeah. You, know? you could do it with like kind of the lesser releases, like Ori and the Blind Forest 3 or whatever it's yeah. going to be, and like have that be sort of compatible. The but then Blind if, Forest. But if you... What? <laughs> I love that. Is that what it's called? Is that what it's called? It's the first the one. The Will yeah. of the Wisp. Oh, you're right. The first one's called, called Ori, the, like, Ori the Blind Forest 3. I don't know what they call oh, it. I don't, right. know what, I don't know what floofy the name they The Will of the Wisp. Um, but... Uh, like obviously, I don't think Halo Infinite's gonna be backwards compatible with or with Xbox One. You don't? No. I do. You do? Yeah. Like as a platform, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. I think it'll look worse. Interesting. But I think it'll be playable. Hmm. I think that's gonna happen with almost everything going forward, and I think especially on Microsoft's side because Microsoft isn't really protective like that. It's True. like you know what? All we want to do is sell as much software as possible. Yeah, all we want is for you to show up. Yep. So could be. It's going to be interesting to watch, for sure. But, again, great question, man. Good stuff. So that's going to do it for 171. We're way over three. I knew this episode was going to be long. We had a lot to get through. It's a huge episode. Our last episode before E3 is always a big deal, and it takes a lot of time to get through all the content. So we'll be seeing you guys on Sunday. Uh, We'll be right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash siftedgames. You should probably follow us right now or bookmark it. Uh, that way you get alerts when we go live because it's just going to be we're gonna be going up and down, up and down all the way through E3. And when that happens, you'll get an alert letting you know that we're back up and you can join the stream. So like I said, we got great stuff in the works for E3 in general, not just with our live streams. Check it out on the site. Uh, we've got a big article up going through our entire schedule. we got big stuff going for pre-E3 all this week before the show kicks off. And then all that week and then our best of E3 for Saturday. I hope you guys will join us. It is going to be awesome. Um, so with that, we'll see you guys on Sunday. Game Face is up and out.